Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Alex Gold of 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City as we'll get his thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs and more when he joins us coming up later on. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football picks presented by O'Connor Advisory Group along with our weekly picks against the spread. And as always, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of the show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. And we've been on the road the uh, last couple of weeks. Did the Let's Go Racing with David Starr show out of Texas Motor Speedway last week. We had to Kansas this weekend. And Thomas was not too far down the road in uh, Austin for the uh, Oklahoma State game. So uh, glad that we have some time to sit back and have a nice fireside chat, Tom, as we're between road trips right now. I haven't talked to you in a couple weeks since I've been in Los Angeles and everything, but always good to uh, catch up and be back in the saddle again, Tom. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it sounds like you're still on the go, and it's slowing down a wee bit for me. I I was going to go to West Virginia for OSU West Virginia in a couple weeks. Decided against that, but I may be if the cards fall where they need to. Uh, looks like New Year's Eve in New Orleans, so uh, we'll hope for that and and see, but. It sounds like you're still on the go for this weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, Tom, we've gone from the summer of Jones to Jones-tober. Oh, yeah. I could – yeah, because you don't want to call it the fall of Jones. Right. That'd be bad. There's a reason we don't have the fall of Jones. That's, that's hilarious. Jones I need to Tober. get my own beer called Jones-toberfest. That would be some. I guess if it was October for me, it would be October. October. <laughs> I guess that's how that would have to work. Yeah, I can see that. By the way, it is a big week here on the Studio Soapbox Network as we launched Luke Slayball's show on Tuesday, Raw Tools. He did an excellent job with that first show and certainly encourage you to go check that out on wherever you listen to podcasts and Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, Luke did a great job with his first episode. Of course, we mentioned let's go racing on the road the next two weeks as we were in Dallas last week and heading to Kansas city this weekend and Bo doing a great job with his shows. And he's about to head out to South Bend for USC Notre Dame this weekend and uh, still doing this show, of course, on uh, on Thursdays. So pleased to bring you now a full weekday lineup with podcasts from the Studio Soapbox Network out each and every day. And we're still growing. We're going to have uh, some more podcasts uh, launching in the very near future. But uh, at the very least, uh, you have a different podcast for each day of the week now available on the uh, Studio Soapbox Network. So some pretty exciting times, a, a big week for us this week, Tom. Yeah, it's, you can, uh, I mean, you said more podcasts, I mean, but in terms of an everyday, yeah, I mean, the shitter's finally full. Ain't no more, you know, it's like we got, it's, we got slots on slots, you know, uh, and, you know, I could, I, we talked about this before. I could do my own. I don't know what it would accomplish. And I don't really have, I'm, I'm doing good a lot of the weeks, as are you, even as busy as you are, uh, you know, to do this. I mean, we, 
I feel like we have recorded this show at almost every given time during the day possible throughout the years. I mean, we've we've been we've been up late at night before doing this, like early a.m. We're knocking this out before. Right. We we find ways to get this content to you. Right. We are the common man for the common man trying to deliver a show for the people. And that's what we do one way or the other. And uh, we're excited to have a, a good team around us now too. You know, uh, one, one of the comparisons that Bo always tends to draw is looking at us kind of like what Dan Lepitard does. You know, I guess I would be Dan. Uh, Tom, you would be. I'm the poppy. Uh, no, no, I, I think more so you'd be Stu Gotts, um, in this, I guess that's true, you know, uh, along for the ride, you know, just go where I tell you. Um, and, uh, you know, Bo would be probably Greg Cody, uh, you know, in this case, and Luke probably is our Bomani Jones of sorts. So we, uh, we, we got a good team here and we're expanding, we're growing, and there's uh, some more exciting stuff ahead in the future, but certainly check out. Uh, Studio Soapbox's full lineup available now. Uh, new shows out each and every day with Coach Bo on Mondays and Fridays with uh, Raw Tools with Luke Slayball on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, Let's Go Racing with David Starr, myself and Dominic Aragon. And then Thursdays, The Jones Report with myself and Thomas Bridges. So uh, certainly check out those shows uh, whenever you get a chance on the uh, Studio Soapbox Network. Let's go ahead and get to the business of the day as we start in the National Football League. And wow, what an interesting week it was in uh, the NFL this past week. And now we head to a uh, new slate of games in week seven. And, you know, I feel like, Tom, heading into this week, we have a lot of unanswered questions at this point. Um, one of those is, are the Cardinals the best team in the NFL? I think the answer is no, that they are undefeated right now, but they're going to be tested here eventually. I don't believe in that defense. The first question of that group, I would say the answer, no, Arizona is not the best team in uh, the NFL. The second question that comes to mind when looking at where we are at you know, seven weeks into the season is when you look at the AFC and where the records are stacked up, are there just a lot of really good teams or is it parity of average teams? What's going on there? And I think that it's just a lot of really good teams at this point. The Chiefs are better than their record indicates at three and three. Um, the Bills at four and two, I mean, that's a team that very well could be 6-0 and right now if the ball bounces a couple different ways in that Titans game and that Steelers game. You look at the Ravens, this was a team that we had a lot of question marks about their ability to run the football and with all the injuries they dealt with, and yet they're still in great shape. The Chargers look good. The Titans look good. The parity in the AFC is real among very good teams. So those are the two questions I have right now, and where my answers would be. What say you, Tom, your, your thoughts uh, are part one of that. Are the Cardinals the best team in the NFL? And is the AFC just a lot of good teams or, uh, or a lot of average teams right now? You know, I feel like the Cardinals could be the best team. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams up there that could, could take it. Right. I mean, 
right now, obviously, if you want to go record-wise, obviously Cardinals are the best. But, uh, you know, last year I felt like Cardinals started out pretty decent and they kind of you know, didn't didn't pull through. But, I mean, they have some holes and, and that defense can be beat, um, you know, and, and played a, a tough game against the Browns and, and end up coming through. But, uh, you know, and the Browns, golly, are so beat up now. But, um, you know, I think – I don't want to say the Cardinals could do it, but, I mean, they look pretty good. They're going to be in the conversation all season. Are they the best? I don't, I mean, that's still pretty early. I want to get through, like, ten games first, and, and then I think we can – once we get through about ten games, then we're really going to know. And, you know, with eight – essentially eight weeks remaining after that, we're really going to know. But uh, you mentioned the Chiefs. They are better than the record. Um, you watch that that Monday night football game and you see how much grit uh, freaking Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans have bold move by the bills uh, didn't end up paying off. The bills are up there still four and two Tennessee's four and two. You got Kansas city going to Tennessee this weekend. That that's my game of the week that I, I'll be sit down with a cold beer watching. Um, to kind of determine, you know, who's who. Um, at first, as far as AFC, the Ravens look pretty good despite their injuries. Um, uh, you know, we thought the Chargers might be up there. The Chargers look pretty tough, and the Ravens went in and whooped that ass. Uh, you know, and that was an ass kicking. I I did not expect that. I don't. I don't think you expected it either. I. Oh, the, the Chargers looked great. They had shown no signs of that before last week. And then just looked like the Chargers we know and love from previous years. Uh, I mean, they got outclassed. Uh, maybe that's you know everyone has a bad game, whatever. Maybe that's theirs. I'm excited to see how they bounce back. Um, if the, you know, how do you come back from that? You know, what's your team made of? What's your resiliency? Uh, there's a lot of teams in the mix. Do you mention AFC? Is it a lot of good teams? A lot of average teams? I, I, I think it's still too early to tell. I do think Kansas City is a lot better than the record. Uh, Mahomes kind of got to get that figured out that interception streak down. He's, he's got to get that lower the turnovers and and they'll be fine you know but they're facing a titans defense who allows a lot titans def you know kansas city on the other end allows a lot i expect derrick henry to run for days but i also expect kansas city that's going to be a big 12 shootout old big 12 shootout of well, sorts yes there'll be a lot of points i mean the titans don't do it in a big 12 way you know they run the football a lot um, you know, from under center, but yes, that'll be they're exciting. like the new OSU or OSU's like the, the Titans this year. Yeah, I can see that. And then there's also when you look at the NFL right now, the questions about who's elite and who's not. And I think we've found out that Dak Prescott has answered the call that the Cowboys are one of the hottest teams in football right now, and it's in large part due to their franchise quarterback, Dak Prescott. Dak is an MVP candidate. He is among the best. He has cemented himself as a top-five quarterback in this league with what he's done to start out this year. I've been so impressed. 
And then what about Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield's not playing so hot right now. Six touchdowns, three picks, and he's injured right now. Now we're going to see Case Keenum. Baker's playing for a contract extension. And now you're asking the question, will the Browns go through with giving Baker that extension or not? And then there's Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford is a guy I've been high on for a long time, dating back to his days in Detroit. And you see what Matt Stafford is capable of, that this guy, when he is on, he is on, he can be as good as any quarterback in football. And he started out really good through the first few weeks of this season. Then we started to see some of the Lions, Matt Stafford, come out for a couple of weeks there where he didn't play great. And so now I think that is one thing that intrigues me as well is when you look at these quarterbacks, who's going to separate themselves? With Baker's situation, that offensive line is terrible. They have allowed the most sacks of any team in the NFL right now. Um, I don't put that on Baker and their defense has been terrible. Baker is going to be fine and he is going to be one of the best in the league and the Browns are going to be okay, despite what their record's at right now. I think Stafford belongs in the conversation among the elites. He can do it for the Rams. Sean McVay is going to get the most out of him. And I love what I've seen from Dak. When it comes to these quarterbacks that are on the edge of being elite, I, I, I lean towards giving him that plateau, Tom, whether it's Baker or Dak or Matthew Stafford. I like all three of those guys. Yeah, I mean, and the Browns, you mentioned the Browns will be okay. Just injury plagued right now. Um, at this point, I think with the injuries, they, you know, they play uh, Thursday night against uh, the Broncos. Uh, Broncos. Goes a little banged up too. I don't. I don't know if. Jer- I don't think Jared Judy will be back this week. Um, they're kind of desperate for that. Bridgewater's on the on the brink, essentially of, of potentially playing. Um, you know they'll be fine. Uh, you mentioned Matt Stafford. You know the game against um, Arizona Rams. They just. They did not look like Super Bowl contenders in that game. Looked lost out there, and that game was in L.A. Um, that worried me. They've bounced back with a couple of games. You know, they they handled the Giants pretty easy, but that's not saying a whole lot. They have Detroit this weekend, uh, which will be uh, the reunion with the Lions for Stafford and the reunion with the Rams for Goff. So that's my – Homer game. I'll obviously watch this weekend to see how that's going. You got the drama with golf there. So that, I mean, there's a lot of storylines in that game. Um, you know, could they, who's the most likely Jones, do you think out of those mentioned to take, take the team all the way? Um, I still like Stafford and the Rams uh, as the best chance of those to uh, take the teams all the way. Um, but I, I do like what Dak and company are putting together, but I kind of want to see it first, you know, before I jump all in on the Cowboys, I still need to see more. Um, but when it comes to the MVP race, Tom, I think you're looking at this thing being wide open. You got five quarterbacks that all belong in the discussion with Kyler Murray, Dak, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Tom Brady. All five are, you know, up there. And probably you can throw Aaron Rodgers in there too. But 
there's another guy that has made a name for himself the last several weeks to start out the season. He's tied the record for most interceptions in the first six weeks of the season in NFL history. And that's Trayvon Diggs of the Cowboys. He's got seven picks already. Uh, he's been tremendous. If he keeps up at this pace, Tom, we have to include Trayvon Diggs in the MVP discussion. At the very least, he's far and away the front runner for defensive player of the year right now. We've been dogging this Cowboys defense for quite some time. And even entering this year, we said, okay, you know, Micah Parsons, he's going to have to lead that defense. He doesn't have much help, but Diggs has been just unreal. Yeah, he has. I mean, did you see what um, NFL Twitter put in their bio? No, I didn't. It says our bio has been intercepted by Diggs. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's pretty funny. I wonder who's running that. They got to be a Cowboys fan, but um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, the Cowboys are going to, the, the NFC race rate, ugh, I can't talk. NFC East race is over. It's done. Uh, you know, just to, essentially it was done for four weeks in the season from what we saw from Dallas. And as much as you know, it, as much as I hate Dallas right now, the way the Dallas is playing, and the way that Dak has come back from injury. Right now, I have to pick Dak Prescott as MVP. Yeah, he's playing great. And Diggs on the other side. Cowboys are fun to watch. This is a uh, fascinating football team. This I hate that. But, I mean, I love to see it because it's entertaining, but I hate it at the same time because it's Dallas. But, yeah, I can't I can't hate that much. They're, I mean, they're doing it. They're, they're, not, going, they're not going nine and eight or eight. Uh, they're not going nine and eight or eight, and nine this year. No. And the thing about it too, is that you look at this Cowboys team and the weakest link is not their defense. You know, their defense is playing real well with Parsons and, and uh, Diggs and company. We know about the offense with Dak and CD and, you know, Zeke has had a nice bounce back here. I believe he's fourth in the league in rushing the weakest link on this entire Cowboys team is the head coach Mike McCarthy Mike McCarthy still does not know what he's doing he's got really good coordinators in Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn Kellen Moore is well on his way to being a head coach in this league that's the only thing holding this Cowboys team back right now is their own head coach I mean yeah yeah I, I agree it used to be the head coach and the and the defensive sorts uh and now it's yeah, have they solidified that Diggs has come on and, and been incredible I don't know why anybody, any quarterback would even throw near him. Um, you know, it's he's he's about to get paid uh, a lot of money. Um, but you know, Mike McCarthy just, you know, just same way with Jason Garrett. I mean, and honestly, I don't. Jason Garrett with this team is probably the same. I mean, it's very lateral move from Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy right now. Um, you know, at the end of the season, if it doesn't go Dallas's way, or you lose in the divisional round, or maybe you don't have a better record and you end up playing the wild card team first, and you and you lose there, do you fire McCarthy and promote Kellen Moore? I think Kellen Moore should be your head coach right now. I agree. And we know that Kellen Moore is going to get another job elsewhere. He will be a head coach next year. I'd be tempted to go ahead and fire McCarthy and give Kellen Moore that job to keep him around. And knowing Jerry Jones, and Jerry loves Kellen, 
Maybe that happens. That might not be a reach. So something to think about as far as that goes. Let's go ahead real quick and I'll run through these games across the NFL this weekend. Thursday night football tonight, Broncos and Browns. No Baker. Case Keenum getting the start for the Browns. Teddy Bridgewater dealing with an injury, a foot injury. It looks like he's still good to go there, but Drew Locke waiting in the wings just in case. Tom, um, no one's a believer in this Broncos team. You know, they don't have the talent to, to really go far, but the Browns are a playoff contender. And what's wild is, even with starting Case Keenum and everything, this feels like a must-win game for the Browns because if you get this one, your next few games after it are pretty favorable. You get the Steelers, the Bengals, the Patriots, and the Lions. Those are four winnable games. If the Browns can get it done tonight, then they can turn their season around right now. They could go on to win five straight here. They very well could. Uh, You you mentioned the Broncos. They're still trying to figure it out. The Browns, though, you mentioned, started Case Keenum. No Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. I did pick up the next guy up. I think it was like Felton and then the, some other guy that I picked up um, that's supposed to be taking the running back spot. Um, so, you know, can Case Keenum get it to Majoku? Can he get it to uh, OBJ? Uh, I, I, somebody said something about maybe Jarvis Landry coming back for this game, but they were unsure still. Uh, I mean, that would be a big boost. You can get Landry back. Uh, he almost doubles as a running back in some of the schemes that the Browns like to use, a lot of the end-around motion. Um, they, I mean, they need all the help they can get. I don't. I mean, can Case Keenum – I can't believe he's still around, but can he pull it off? Is the game – is it in Cleveland? It is. Okay, so, you know, you got that going for you. Uh, this This feels like – with the banged up Browns and the Broncos being in the in the situation that they're in, this feels like the Thursday night football games of old where they, you know, no one watched. But somehow uh, Joe and Troy will make this game feel important. Yes, <laughs> they will. They'll make uh, Case Keenum look like the biggest star in all of football. Uh, you know, Thursday night Broncos and Browns. Let's go ahead to Sunday's games. We'll run through these here real quick. Packers taking on the Washington football team. Washington's so bad right now. The Packers have been a whole different team since that second half against the Lions week two. Aaron Rodgers playing really good. Um, You know, he was calling out the woke culture this past week for those that had a problem with saying that he owns the Chicago bears and he owns their fan base. I had a good laugh at that. Good for Aaron to uh, not be afraid to say something and, and uh, put up with that, you know, from, uh, from those people from that crowd. Nonetheless, uh, the Packers, Tom, they should be able to roll through a Washington just fine. This one could be ugly. Yeah, very well could be. And you know, about the Aaron Rodgers thing, I love that. The hell with the taunting BS. I'm over that. I think you should be able to taunt all you want um i'm over the uh, you know some of it some points people bring out with okay i get it the taunting and stuff that i own you and i still own you it is the bears packers it's a fucking rivalry get over it you, oh you should be able to do horns down texas should be able to say whatever they want to owe you it's a freaking football game you're playing against each other 
and it goes way back. It's a freaking rivalry. I'm over it. It's like, no, this is what makes it entertaining. When the when the taunting penalties come in, it makes it the no fun league again. Yeah. Um, and you know, NFL got burnt on that by years ago. Well, not it's not been that long that they had they decided to. You know, change the rule back where you could do the crazy touchdown celebrations because they kept get they were called the no fun league, and for a good reason. And it's coming back again. Uh, the taunting penalties they got us. I hate that. Now, if it's as long as it's not like a middle finger to the fan base, you know what I mean? Then whatever. Uh, you know, the Bears. You don't you don't hear Aaron Rodgers crying because the Bears fans are probably saying you Aaron Rodgers as he runs into the end zone you know no one's saying oh you can't say that to him that's you know you can't do that no it's a football game I could I could very well go on a Billy Donovan style rant about and I'm getting long-winded here but I could very easily we could talk the whole show on the taunting BS and people getting butt hurt yes. over Aaron Rodgers saying that I'm sure you could, but let's go ahead and move on before you uh, get on that that uh, soapbox here, uh, that, that studio soapbox you're on. Yeah, However, exactly. The Chiefs and Titans, I got to tell you, I am very nervous about this game. Yes, the Chiefs are coming off a win against Washington, but they didn't look impressive at all last week in that win. And they're struggling to stop the run. You go up against King Henry, who's been fantastic this year. Derrick Henry's an MVP candidate. If the Chiefs are going to ha- win this game, they have to force the Titans to run the football. And with their struggles of stopping the run, I got a bad feeling about this game. I do not feel confident in Kansas City at all, and they can't afford to fall to three and four. Huge game for the Chiefs here against the uh, Titans. The Titans, in a weak division, you can lose this game and probably be fine. The Chiefs, on the other hand, can't afford to fall under 500 again here. Tough matchup with uh, that run game in Tennessee. Yeah, I think this game's a coin flip. It is in Tennessee. Um, Titans are just coming off that big win against the Bills. It's uh, it's going to be a shootout, but I think it's a coin flip. The uh, Falcons taking on the Dolphins, and Tua is back for Miami, although the Dolphins are coming off a loss in uh, in London last week against the Jags. Falcons at a two and three. Tom, the uh, Dolphins, this is a team that has a great roster. We were looking at the beginning of the year and said that, you know, hey, uh, Brian Flores and company is doing a really good job of how they've managed their cap space and the players they've drafted. But at one and five, the Dolphins, you can say, are the biggest disappointment in the league right now. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, after last year, I was expecting a lot more. You know, um, they were right up there competing with the Bills last year. And this at this point, it looks like the same old Dolphins. I like Falcons. Yeah, I like the Falcons, too. The uh, Jets taking on New England battle two rookie quarterbacks, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. And these two are in completely different situations. Zach Wilson has no protection not much talent around him. He's thrown for just four touchdowns and nine interceptions. Mac Jones, on the other hand, with a 70% completion percentage to start off the year, has played really well. 
And all you had to do is turn on the TV for two seconds and hear guys like Chris Collinsworth and Tony Romo just gushing over Mac Jones. Tom, Mac has played really well to start off his rookie campaign there in New England. And, and all that money that they spent on guys like, uh, you know, Johnny Smith uh, there and, uh, you know, the, the players that they, they brought in this offseason, they haven't had a whole lot of production. Mac Jones is kind of just doing it on his own. Hunter Henry's been kind of missing in action too. Yeah, he has. And, and you know, they, they almost a couple weeks ago, you know, almost ruined Brady's homecoming. Um, you know, I like Mac Jones and, you know, the Jets are still the Jets. I mean, this is a tale of two different quarterbacks. I'm sure Zach Wilson wishes he was in New England. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The uh, Panthers taking on the Giants. Tom, you and I have uh, been big defenders of uh, Daniel Jones. He's thrown for four touchdowns and four picks. He's also leading their team in rushing. Carolina uh, doesn't look like Christian McCaffrey is uh, quite back just yet. You know, he was dealing with uh, some injury problems. Chuba Hubbard leading that team in rushing right now. And uh, Sam Darnold with six touchdowns, six interceptions. Panthers, the more talented team. Assuming all goes right, Panthers should be just fine. Yeah, I think they will be. Did you get to see that Panthers-Vikings game? I saw parts of it, yeah. Oh, man, heartbreak uh, there. But, you know, uh, Sam Darnold looks a lot better. It's this game, you know. We I like I like both quarterbacks for both teams. This should be an interesting game. It's not going to be no no playoff implications here. No, I mean they're both missing the playoffs, but uh, it should be an interesting one. The uh, Bengals taking on the Ravens. Really good matchup here between a four and two Bengals team and a five and one Baltimore team here. Tom, we know the Ravens are good. The Bengals, on the other hand, Joe Burrow's played really well, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 1,500 yards passing. I feel like this is an opportunity for the Bengals to make a statement to the rest of the NFL. They win this game, they'll have everybody's attention. Oh, 100%. I mean, this is this is uh, could be Joe Burrow's, uh, you know, intro, re-intro to the league of, hey, I'm here to stay, baby. Him and Jamar Chase have been incredible. Yeah, yeah, they have. The uh, Eagles taking on the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders got a win last week in the post-John Gruden era, and they sit at four and two. The Eagles at two and four. And I'm looking at Jalen Hurts. He's playing just fine. Uh, you see him with the connection to De Devonta Smith. That's been really good. But they're struggling to get the football to other guys that no one else is really stepping up there. Tom? The Raiders are a fraud at four and two. I think that team's going to fall apart. They're a sinking ship. The Eagles aren't very good themselves here. I actually, I, I lean towards the Eagles, but I'm not confident in saying that. I don't think either of these teams are that good. No, neither do I. And and I think, I mean, you mentioned Jalen Hurts. He's playing well. I mean, he's he's getting the numbers. He's putting it up, but they just, you know, they can't, I, you know, can't finish one. I mean, I don't feel like their schedule has been the easiest of sorts either, though. Yeah, I would agree to that. Yeah, they've, they've had some some tough matchups here as of late, and now a road game with uh, Las Vegas here doesn't 
get any easier for the uh, Eagles this weekend. The Lions taking on the Rams. It is Matthew Stafford taking on his old team. The Lions at 0-6. Man, God bless the Detroit Lions because this team has been – you know, been playing hard. They're one of the best 0-6 teams I've seen. I mean, other than that game against the Bengals, they have competed hard all season long, but they're coming up just short in all these games here. Dan Campbell's doing a good job, just not much talent there to work with. And Jared Goff is uh, getting exposed to the Jared Goff that we all knew he was all along. Uh <laughs> Meanwhile, the Rams at five and one, as good as any team in the NFC, I think. Tom, um, if these play to their potential here, the Rams should be able to take care of business just fine against Detroit. Yeah, they should. They should. Um, I mean, I said that last year when the Rams played the Jets and lost, but um, they should. I mean, Dan Campbell ripped Jared Goff a new asshole after the game. I don't know if you saw that or not. Um, I, I, I somewhat still feel bad for Goff, but if, if you want to look at – take the last two games for Detroit and watch Jared Goff, and you can see why the Rams had no other choice. Right. That was it. I mean, they, the Rams literally had no other choice or, you know, face their window closing and face Aaron Donald, Donald's window closing and wasting Jalen Ramsey and all of it. I mean, that was the piece. That's that's the storyline. I think it's going to play out in the Rams' favor this week, and the whole world will know that Jared Goff is essentially a number one bust. I think you were right about that. Cardinals taking on the Texans. The Cardinals are a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Tom, it's only a matter of how quickly this game gets ugly, right? Uh, yeah. Do they cover? <laughs> I lean towards Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> Tom Brady and the Bucs taking on the Bears. The Bears at three and three, Bucks at five and one. Man, these are the games that Tom Brady just pads his stat line a bit. We've talked about Tom Brady as, as an MVP candidate. Here's a chance to uh, add to that stat line that we look back later in the year and like, oh, Tom at 40 touchdowns? Really? I mean, oh, Yeah. It was that game against the Bears. He padded some things up a bit. Big day for the Bucks coming. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, and, and, you know, unless the Bears somehow get lucky, it ain't happening this week. <laughs> the Colts taking on the 49ers. That game on Sunday night football. Two very desperate teams. The Colts at two and four. The Niners at two and three in uh, their record at this point in time. Garoppolo is uh, questionable for this game, so we might be seeing uh, Trey Lance again for San Francisco here. Tom, um, I don't have a very good feel for this game. Uh, both these teams, as desperate as they are here, uh, th this one for me could go either way, but I don't feel confident about either team. Even if they win this, I, I don't see either team making the playoffs from this matchup. Uh, no, I mean, and you got the 49ers, they're obviously struggling. Um, and, you know, you got the Rams and Cardinals in your division. Uh, you know, this is a, it's not shut the season down already, but it feels like a must win for both teams. It does. And then on Monday night, you'll have New Orleans taking on Seattle. Jameis Winston has held his own. He's been fairly good this year with uh, – 
uh, 12 touchdown passes, just three picks. Meanwhile, Geno Smith set to get the start for Seattle as uh, Russell Wilson remains injured at this point in time. Tom, uh, for me, I look at this Saints team at three and two. And through five weeks, we've seen different Saints teams. We saw the Saints team that blew out the Packers, then got blown out by the Panthers. Then they blow out the Patriots, and they lose at home to the Giants. Nice win against the against the Washington football team. Um, I, I just wonder what uh, Saints team is going to show up here. To me, that's what this game comes down to is not necessarily – what Seattle is. I mean, we know what they are that, you know, that, that they can put up points even with a backup quarterback and such, but it's a matter of if we get the good Jameis Winston that we've seen through their three wins or not. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And, you know, Seattle's fighting to stay alive as well. I mean, if you want to see how much Russell Wilson means this team, just watch the last three games for Seattle. Um, I mean, it's kind of incredible difference. Um, but yeah, what, you know, we know what we're going to get out of Geno Smith. What are we going to get out of James? And that might be one of, it might, it might be that kind of thing for, um, the saints all season of, you know, what Jameis shows up, what Saint team, what saints team shows up. Um, and you live in, you live by the sword, you die by the sword season for, for new Orleans. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. So there you have it. That is our look around the National Football League here on the Jones Report this week. And we're going to get to one more thing before we bring in Alex Gold. And we'll have more football discussion later on in Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. But I want to get to our Big 12 breakdown for this week and looking at the Big 12 slate of games here. And starting at 11 a.m. with Oklahoma and KU, Tom, what an interesting time for Caleb Williams ahead. We know that he's the guy going forward, that Spencer Rattler's to the bench, and that the Sooners have found their quarterback, and that their offense last week against TCU, that looked like Oklahoma football that we've seen over the last 10 or 15 years, when Oklahoma can play to their full potential. Marvin Mims receiving the ball, and and the run game with Kennedy Brooks, and, and Gray, and Grant you know, and, uh, and, you know, Austin Stockner and those guys, I mean, they have weapons all over the place and they're finally able to use them. And they were actually able to help out their defense by limiting their mistakes, getting rid of those Rattler turnovers. Oklahoma, I think now can really shift it into another gear. And I'd be surprised if they don't go undefeated from here on out. You look at these next couple of weeks, Kansas and then Texas Tech. You got a young quarterback that you're trying to polish up, that you're trying to put in the best position to succeed after a big primetime win against TCU last week in his first career start where he threw for four touchdown passes and had a touchdown run. And then the Texas game where he comes off the bench and pulls off the miracle win there. Now you let him settle in these next couple of weeks and get ready for the home stretch ahead. Because once you get past this week, Tom, and uh, after Texas Tech, actually, what a brutal stretch for the Sooners to end the year. Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, they're going to need their freshman quarterback ready. Uh, these next couple weeks are going to be huge, I think, in the maturation process process for Caleb Williams to make sure he's ready for this final three-game stretch. Yeah, it is. It is critical. And, I mean, what two better teams than KU and Tech to figure it out against? 
you know, it's, uh, it's very unfortunate as an OSU fan to see that, but uh, you know, Spencer Rattler wasn't cracked up to be what he was. You know, he's got another man up, um, just kind of how I'm, I'm not shocked. Um, but OU, if they keep playing like they did in the, against TCU, then, you know, that's, that's a playoff team. Yeah, I think so. I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, what this the Sooner team is capable of and their defense is starting to come along. They'll figure it out eventually too. Um, watch out. I think that we've seen OU turn that corner. It was a matter of time when they were going to flip that switch. Last year, it was that second half against Texas. This year, it was the second half against Texas again. I think this is a new Oklahoma team that's here to stay. And I would say, Tom, that OU right now, when you look at those rankings, obviously Georgia's the best team in the country, no question about it. But with the loss that Iowa suffered this weekend, with Alabama falling a couple weeks ago, now I look past Georgia, and despite Oklahoma having six different games where they only won by seven points or less, I don't think there's a big gap now. I think Oklahoma is as good as any team not named Georgia at this point in time, Tom. I mean, if they win out, they're going to be the two seed, and then you essentially play a lesser seed, obviously, in route to a Georgia OU championship. Even saying that, I want to go throw up, but I mean, it is what it is. Do you feel that's where we're headed right now as a Georgia OU national title game? Uh, I mean, OU still got one choke job left in them um, somewhere. I'm not going to say they're going to lose. It could have been the choke job, could have been the first half against Texas. Could have been. On top of that, on Georgia's end of things, too, as much as I like this Georgia team, is there a team that you would rather not face getting ready for the playoff, your last game, than playing Alabama in the SEC title game? I mean, that's the last team you want to face going into the playoff, right? I mean, yeah, I would hate that. I mean, can you imagine, um, you know, getting ready for the college football playoff? And you're like, huh, well, one more thing. you got to play Alabama. <laughs> yeah, and they're playing for their playoff lives, too. They're very desperate to win this SEC title. Yeah. Right, like good luck. <laughs> so, yeah, very interesting for Oklahoma right now. They're in good shape. I think that they're going to be fine going forward. Then uh, also in that 11 a.m. window, K-State takes on Texas Tech. Texas Tech is somehow 5-2, and two, but that is a bad 5-2 and two team uh, there. K-State at 3-3. Three and three. Um, I know Tech is favored in this one, but, Tom, we know K-State can play defense. We know they can run the football here. I'm leaning towards K-State to get the win down in, in uh, Lubbock this weekend, Tom. Yeah, they for sure can do it. And, you know – Tech, they, um, you know, they had that early good, pretty solid one against Houston, a game they should have won, rather, but you know, they did. They took care of business. You get blitzed by Texas, absolutely crushed. And then who's the next best team? Who, who else did they lose to? Uh, Tech, they uh, also lost to TCU, 52-31. to 31. Right, so they can put up points, but non, you know, what defense have they played? You know, K-State, I think, can win this game, no problem. Right. Yeah, I think K-State's going to take care of business, get that road win. 
Oklahoma State taking on Iowa State. We're going to pick this game coming up later on in our picks against the spread segment. Iowa State favored by seven. And when I look at this, it feels like Vegas is saying that, hey, the Iowa State that we thought was going to be around at the beginning of the season is now going to show up. That Brock Purdy is going to turn on that Brocktober switch that the talent they have there with Brees Hall, who has not played well, and Charlie Kolar, that they're going to come alive all of a sudden and put it together. But, I mean, you look at what they've done. Okay, sure, you beat K-State in a 13-point win on the road. Not bad. Um, I mean, you beat the crap out of KU, but these last two weeks, I don't know what the odds makers are seeing that things are suddenly just going to change from Iowa State because they beat Kansas and Kansas State here. Oklahoma State's playing as well as anybody in the Big 12 right now. Their defense is the best in the conference. We know how well they run the football. I do have some concerns about Spencer Sanders at that quarterback position with his uh, passing ability, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what the odds makers are seeing of why an unranked Iowa State team that has really done nothing this year is a heavy favorite at home against OSU here. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, and I'm kind of interested on what I'd like to know the odds makers, what they have to say. Um, just because, you know, no team, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think back on the previous games. I don't think any team has put up more than 24 against OSU. Texas could have. I mean, they put up 24. Um, but I like, I mean, Texas offense has been better than Iowa State's this season. Right. So, and, you know, OSU went into Austin and I, they got one yard of total offense in the fourth quarter. So, you know, if OSU's defense shows up again and, and OSU can manage to score, I don't know, 24 points, I think it wins the game. West Virginia taking on TCU. West Virginia at two and four. TCU at three and three on the season. Uh, Duggan's played really well for TCU. He's got 13 touchdowns and two picks. Jared Daggy not doing so hot for the uh, Mountaineers here. West Virginia on the road. And uh, TCU favored by about four and a half here. Tom, uh, I've been disappointed in West Virginia. I had higher hopes for them entering uh, 2021. TCU... At three and three, I think they've underachieved as well here. These two teams not living up to expectations. I would lean towards TCU because I, I like what their offensive production has been with uh, with with uh, from what we've seen from Duggan so far this year. Yeah, and even Evans at running back for um, type or TCU has been pretty underrated. I feel like uh, you know West Virginia thought they'd have a better you know a, a one of the more top tier defenses like they did kind of last year, but you know, yet to really do a whole lot. You get the one win over uh, Virginia Tech and then, you know, kind of downhill from there. So I like TCU for sure. Yeah. So there you have it. That is a look around the Big 12 Conference. We'll continue the football discussion with Alex Gold from 610 Sports in Kansas City as he joins us next. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Later on, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. All that more as we continue here on the Jones Report. Stay with us. 
Joining us now here at the Jones Report this week, he's an old friend of the show, and we're pleased to bring him back with 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. Alex Gold joins us right now. Alex, been a while, my friend. Always great catching up. What's going on with you, man? Yeah, likewise, really has. I think we, we were talking at that point, maybe I was just moving back to Kansas City and everything. And so it's been a while. I'd love to see everything you're doing up in Omaha. This guy, this guy just traveling around everywhere. He's either staying up at racetracks, he's out in LA at the you know, the future side of this year's Super Bowl, wherever. You're you're everywhere, man. Hey, I'm just trying to keep up with you. I mean, you pretty much own Kansas <laughs> City now. I mean, I'd see you about every Chiefs game these days and and out of the Royals and such. I mean, what, what an interesting time it is in uh, in your market, Alex, with the Chiefs not playing so hot right now. Yeah, it really has made it more interesting. This has kind of been a stunning start for Kansas City. You know, the, the combination of the turnovers and the defense. The turnovers is the more startling thing. I mean, the, the defense, nobody thought the defense would be a strength of the Chiefs by any means. I just didn't think anybody expected them to be at times historically bad, which is really what they have been. The lack of pass rush. I bought into the idea of Chris Jones moving to the outside. They go and bring in Jaron Reed. Andy Reed's talking them up and everybody's thinking, all right, maybe maybe this is going to work out. And as you know, it's, it's been disastrous up until their, their game against Washington, which was a nice step forward. We're going to learn a lot over the next couple of weeks if that was legit or was that Taylor Heineke and you know Terry McLaurin and that that Washington uh, offense just not being all that effective but it's it's made for an interesting first six weeks or so of this NFL season and uh, obviously this is going to be uh, I think the next few weeks really the deciding factor on whether or not this team truly flips the script a little bit and gets some of this stuff corrected well the, the thing I look at Alex when you point out those issues you mentioned turnovers how the defense is doing and such do you think this is just who the Chiefs are, or are they fixable things? Can this team improve and get better? I think the turnovers are fixable. Uh, that, that, to me, is what's fixable. Right now, they're on pace for 37 turnovers. I just don't believe that they're going to finish with 37 turnovers. But more importantly, it's what do they do from week seven on. Right, right now, they're dead last in turnovers. But for the rest of the season, can they even just finish you know, middle of the pack? That's really all you're asking for. Can they go from – the, 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 what, 2.3 or so turnovers per game down to one the rest of the season. If they do that, then this offense is going to have that 2018 type of historical offensive season because despite these turnovers, Tyler, I mean, they're still averaging over 30 points per game. You're telling me that if they cut that back by one turnover per game, that they're not scoring 38 a game the rest of the way. I really believe that that's possible with this offense. They're averaging you know, more points per drive despite the turnovers than any other team in football. So I, I'm a believer that the turnovers – can be corrected. Defensively, that's that's, that's a whole other story. I, I've been the more optimistic guy uh, on our show here in, in Kansas City about what I believe the defense can be. I don't think they're going to suddenly, you know, do what they did in 2019, which was dreadful the first 10, 11 weeks. And then they were a top 10 defense the back half of the season. And into the playoffs, we saw Frank Clark get hot. I, I don't think that happens again. But I believe they can still find themselves as the, the 22nd <laughs> or, or 23rd. And honestly, with this offense, that to me is all they need to be to have a chance to go on another Super Bowl run. Yeah. And you look at it, they can't stop the run worth anything. And we know how good Tyron Matthew can be when he's allowed to, you know, be up there stopping the run. They haven't had the flexibility to let him do his thing and let him really fly of some sorts. Uh, I mean, to me, that's what I look at. That's what it's going to take for this Chiefs defense. If they're ever going to put it together, there's got to be the flexibility. The personnel's got to allow Tyron Matthew to, to do his thing. 
I felt like in the, in the Washington game, to your point about being a little bit more involved in, in, in his aggressive nature and, and his versatility that he has, the game against Washington, whether it was, hey, they decided to, to, to just play him differently and what allowed him to play him differently a little bit, maybe was the move to Juan Thornhill, the trust that Juan Thornhill's back there instead of Daniel Sorensen. But I, I still think the key with this defense, Tyler, is the is the pass rush and the defensive yeah. line. For, for Tyron Matthew to be as effective as we know he can be, for the corners, uh, which aren't exactly all, you know, shut down stud corners by any means. These guys, really, they haven't put many resources there. Legereus Sneed is obviously their best corner, but after that, it's a couple undrafted guys. It's a couple first-round busts in DeAndre Baker and Mike Hughes. Suddenly, Rashad Fenton's actually playing better, but he was, what, a, a sixth-round draft pick? Yeah. A couple years ago, where's their money invested? It's it's on that defensive line. It's Frank Clark, who's the seventh highest paid defensive player in football. It's Chris Jones, obviously, with a massive contract. It's even Jaron Reed, who they signed to a one-year, you know, five-and-a-half or so million-dollar contract. That's the key. You got to have one or the other. If you're not going to have the, the shutdown corners, you, you got to have some sort of pass rush. And that's really where, to me, it comes down to. They've got to be able to get some sort of pressure on the quarterback going forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now, on the turnovers thing, with Patrick Mahomes, he's not playing to his usual self uh, with as much as he's been turning the ball over of sorts. Do you think Patrick's going to get out of this funk here pretty soon? What's going on with Patrick Mahomes? What's the cause of this lesser of play that we've seen from him the last few weeks, you think? I think a lot of it has started with the defense and, and the need to press, right? The feeling that you got to score on every single possession. And so he has forced things, nothing more evident than that interception that he threw uh, against Washington. I mean, that was Texas Tech, Patrick Mahomes. That was yeah. uh, rookie quarterbacks like Zach Wilson and, and Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes. And it was interesting earlier this week, you know, Patrick Mahomes had his media availability and, and he spoke about that interception. And in the film room, when they watched it, he said, Everybody in the film room started laughing and, and he laughed. And, and some people like we, we, we talked about this on our show and, and some people, Tyler, were like, oh, man, that's a bad sign. They're not taking it seriously. No, I, I viewed that as they're confident that that's not who he is, specifically that interception. And some of them have been fluky. I mean, not, not everything can be excused. Look, he's made some bad decisions as well, no doubt. And, and some of those aren't just the, the fluke, fluky ones. But there's a couple that Tyreek Hill usually catches 90% of the time, and they go off his fingertips, right? I mean, and so I think some of that balances out. There is, to me, a little bit of a regression and, and the positive regression to the mean. And, and I think that has to start this week against Tennessee because after a while, I can't keep saying uh, in week 11 – Oh, the turnovers are going to stop. I mean, at some point, it is what they are. I, I don't believe we're there yet, though, Tyler. Week six is not a small sample size, but I just it, – it's hard for me to believe that Patrick Mahomes suddenly is going to throw 20 interceptions this year. I, I'll take anybody's bet on that, that he doesn't throw 20. Now, he might throw 16, right? But I, I, don't, think, I don't think he's throwing 20-plus interceptions this year, and he's still on pace – for over 50 touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And so I, I think this stuff gets shored up and a lot of it has to do, do with his uh, lack of, he won't say it publicly, but I believe lack of belief that the defense can, can keep them in games. Maybe that Washington game uh, allows him to sit back a little bit and believe that he doesn't have to, to press as much. How much of it do you think has to do with not having a true number two receiver? I know Sammy Watkins wasn't available for most of last year, but you haven't really had that, guy truly step up to take that mantle McCole Harbin's so up and down uh whether it's uh you know D-Rob or Byron Pringle none of those guys have really stepped into that role and we're seeing Tyreek get double teamed so much here 
Do you think that's a big issue that they haven't had that number two guy? And they brought in Josh Gordon, but still waiting and seeing on that too. Right. Josh Gordon is, you know, maybe at some point gets an increased workload. They, they talked him up as if he was going to this past week against Washington. As we know, he, he barely got any snaps out on that field. And so maybe that comes here in the near future. But you're right. I mean, it's definitely played a role not having Sammy Watkins. I think that's also to your question before about what's causing some of the interceptions and the pressing. It's Patrick Mahomes' natural instinct is to go for the big play. I mean, that's what's made him so special as well. Right. And we're seeing these defenses, as you know, they're, they're dropping, uh, they're going too high safeties and they're saying, all right, we're going to force you to, to dink and dunk. They're putting a lid on this offense. And so I think that's been a big reason for the inability uh, for them to, to have as much success in big plays. Cause they're still, again, they're still averaging more points per drive than any other team in, in football. So it's funny when we have these conversations, because I'm doing the same thing, like, all right, what's wrong with the offense? But <laughs> we step back and it's like, they're still one of the best offenses in football. It's just the big plays aren't there. I think they're 13th in the league in passing plays over 25 yards or more. You would have thought the Chiefs should be in the top five or top three, and they're, and they're not there. But I definitely think the inability to, to have that true number two wide receiver, because we, we've seen teams be able to, to bottle up Tyreek Hill a little bit, it's still challenging to be able to do both. And it's really, to me, a handful of teams that can even do it, Tyler. It's, it's the Buffalo Bills, these playoff teams, right? It's the Buffalo Bills, it's the Chargers, it's, it's the Ravens, where they actually have the personnel to say, all right, we're going to rush four, we're going to get pressure on you, and we're going to drop everybody back a little bit. Right. Washington couldn't do that. Uh, I don't believe Tennessee can do that. I think there's really only a handful of teams that have the defensive personnel to do that. And that's part of the shift we're probably seeing in the league as time goes on. I think the Bills intentionally built their team for Patrick Mahomes. I'm serious. It's to beat the yeah. Chiefs, mm-hmm. uh, the Chargers the same way. Well, I look at a game like this weekend against Tennessee, Alex. It's like a two-edged sword of sorts. You're excited about the opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to take on just this awful Tennessee defense of what he can really do and you know should be able to put up a lot of good numbers and the offense should look great. But on the other side of the ball – how the hell are they going to stop Derrick Henry running the football here? I mean, first one to 50 wins. I mean, what's going to happen on Sunday? Right. I mean, like, he's a freak. We all know that. It's insane. He's going to have, looks like, back-to-back 2,000-yard rushing seasons, which has never happened in, in NFL history. I mean, the fact that he's that big but also has that speed, it's, just, it's not fair. It's not supposed right. to happen, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. We saw on Monday night Micah Hyde uh, had to take one for the, the team and just got, got ran over by Derrick Henry just to stop him. Like, who's who's going to be the first Chiefs player that gets the big stiff arm uh, that falls to the ground? Hopefully they don't have a, you know, a Josh Norman moment from last year that we'll never forget. But you don't stop him, right? I mean, you, right. you don't stop him. But it's the similar conversation to what we had in 2019 around the AFC title game. A lot of the, the conversations we're having about, all right, what what's good enough? Uh, against Derrick Henry. It's what we had for the title game. And if you remember, the Chiefs were able to hold Derrick Henry to, it was like 3.7 yards per carry when he was averaging 5.8 or 5.9. Now the defense isn't good right now as they were in 2019, talking about the Chiefs. And so I don't expect that. But you know the Chiefs are looking back at what they did schematically in 2019 in the AFC title game. You know they're looking at what Arizona did week one against Derrick Henry, where that's the only game that he was held in check. Only had 57 yards rushing. So Derrick Henry's going to get his, but at the same time, I don't think it's an automatic, hey, if Derrick Henry rushes for, let's say, a buck 20, Tyler, I don't think that means the Chiefs lose this game automatically. I think if you tell me the Chiefs have no turnovers, again, going back to that, no turnovers, 
then I think they win this game. I don't, I think you got to make Derek, Derek Henry uh, be the guy that, that can't beat you. It's got to be Ryan Tannehill. And I, I think Derek right. Henry's going to have to go off for 170 plus yards to me for, for, for me to feel like Derek Henry solely is going to beat me. Ryan Tannehill, make him throw the ball 40 or 45 times in this game. I think I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, I'll, I'll take that loss. If you tell me, Ryan Tannehill throws it 40-plus times if I'm the Chiefs, and he goes out and he, he slings it around, and A.J. Brown, and we don't know if Julio Jones is going to even play, but if A.J. Brown and their tight end, Anthony Ferkser, and Ryan Tannehill want to go out and, and beat me, and he's going to throw for 330 and four touchdowns and go head-to-head with Mahomes, and I lost, and look, props to Tennessee, I'll take it. Uh, but I, I want them to have to beat me in that fashion. So you're, you are going to sell out on the run, and even selling out on the run, he's still going to rush for probably over 100 yards in this game. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. We're talking to Alex Gold, 610 Sports, here on the Jones Sport this week. You know, Alex, uh, Chiefs Twitter always cracks me up with the overreaction crowd that we see. And, you know, if you were on checking social media during that Bills game, everyone was acting like, you know, all hell had broken loose, that the world was ending and such with that performance. But here we are, you know, a couple weeks later, Chiefs are at 3-3, three and three, just a game back of the Chargers after the Chargers were handed – such an ugly defeat to the Ravens last week. Only a game back. You get to play the Chargers again. If anyone thought this division race was over, that the Chargers had this, uh, they, they would be quite mistaken here. The Chiefs very well could turn this thing around and, and still win the division here. I mean, it's way too early to write off this team, right? I, I'm with you on the division. Yeah, I mean, one, you get the, the rematch out in L.A. later on this year. So there's no question. I mean, that's a must win. Uh, yeah. But you have that opportunity still in front of you. And, and yeah, the division's not out of reach. I mean, the Chargers just scored six points in a football game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, I mean, and look, I love Justin Herbert. I, I think he's the real deal. I, I think he's going to, to give the Chiefs problems for, for the next decade or so. But Brandon Staley, we, we, we had Kyle Brand on our show uh, earlier this week from NFL Network, and he made a great point. He's like, look, we all, I, I like Brandon Staley a lot. I think his, his, his aggressiveness is great. Some of his comments he's made about some of the other things going on in the league have been great. But he's a defensive-minded head coach, and their defense stinks. Oh. And that was a point Kyle Brandt made, and I thought, it was, I thought it was great, and he's right. I mean, at some point, their, their defense has to get better as well. It's not Chiefs bad, but their rush defense is worse than the Chiefs, which probably would surprise some people this year if you look at some of the numbers. And so, no, the, the division's not done, um, but this game for Kansas City against Tennessee in the, as far as the AFC picture, I mean, if Kansas City loses to Tennessee – it means you've lost to every contender, right? Other than Cleveland and Cleveland, who knows if they're still going to be a contender after all these injuries. Right. I mean, they're a mess right now with Baker and Beckham and Landry and Chubb and Hanna. You go on and on. They've got so many injuries. And so the, the Chiefs would have losses to Tennessee, to Baltimore, to the Chargers, to the Bills. I mean, that would be problematic in terms of tiebreakers. I mean, to me, it means if you're not winning the division, the Chiefs are going to have a hard time not being the six or seven seed just because of tiebreakers. But I, I don't believe it's the same boat that the Chiefs' opponents have been in. And so what I mean by that is, if you remember a year ago, prior to Lamar Jackson finally beating Kansas City, prior to Josh Allen this year finally beating Kansas City, I looked at those teams and I said, hey, I'm not worried about them in the playoffs because you haven't shown me you can beat them. And I know this year there's going to be some people that say, well, the Chiefs haven't shown me they can beat Tennessee or Baltimore or Buffalo or the Chargers, let's say. The difference for me is – I know Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have done it before. <laughs> I also know these guys have been to three straight AFC title games. I also know they've been to two straight Super Bowls. 
So maybe people want to call me a Chiefs homer, but the difference is those guys still hadn't done anything. And some of them still haven't done anything. Like Josh Allen, he's, he's finished second MVP. He went to an AFC title game. That's something Lamar Jackson still hasn't done. You know, Ryan Tannehill did it two years ago with the Titans and lost to the Chiefs in the AFC title game. So that's why even though the Chiefs may lose to every contender in the regular season, which is not a good spot to be in, I still believe they could win three in a row and get themselves to a Super Bowl in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. The next stretch of games after Tennessee, it's the Giants, then the Packers, road trip to Vegas, and then you bring on the Cowboys. What do you think of these next few games here for the Chiefs? You think they're going to get on a run of some sorts here? I, I do. Uh, and in this game, though, against Tennessee feels way different than what we all thought it was going to be, what, uh, you know, four days ago? Yeah. Because it seemed like the Chiefs had a stretch of three games with, you know, Washington and the Titans and the Giants. You're like, okay, here's a chance. Get some of those problems corrected before the big boys come, right? Dallas, you referenced there, and, yeah. and ultimately the Raiders and everything. Uh, suddenly, this is a big boy game, uh, the, even though the Titans have their flaws as well. But based on what they did against Buffalo, it changed the whole dynamic. It's a chance for uh, a statement win for Kansas City. It's obviously a chance for the Titans to really change everybody's narrative because they would have back-to-back wins over Buffalo and Kansas City. I mean, say what we will about Ryan Tannehill, we would have to start looking at Tennessee a little bit differently and really view this AFC even more wide open than what it appears to be. But I, I do think, Tyler, they, they, go on, they get on a little run here. And then it's kind of game on in, in the second half, week 10 and on. And, and all the, the talk and the struggles that the Chiefs had, there's a chance where this is a team much like the Bucs a year ago. Uh, we remember, you know, the, the Bucs had their struggles. In fact, they got embarrassed by the Chiefs in the first half of that week 12 game. And then the Bucs didn't lose a game from what, right. week 13 on. I think there's a chance. Now, it, it starts this week against Tennessee. I mean, the Chiefs need to show me something here that they've actually made some progress defensively against the Titans. But there's a chance that the Chiefs could be like the Bucs, where it would not surprise me. They, they get on a run, and, and they, they run off, you know, seven-plus wins. I really, I really could see that happening uh, before they head into their next matchup against, uh, I guess that would be the Chargers in December. Yeah. Last thing on the Chiefs, and then uh, we'll move on here. Trade deadline coming up in a couple of weeks. Do you think they make a move or two? Do you see this team staying pat when the deadline comes around here? A, a lot of the names I've seen linked, I'm just not interested in. Uh, the, the, the only position I'm interested in, period, is pass rusher. I, I, I've seen a few reports that have suggested that, you know, maybe there's a safety or a corner. I, I don't, I don't want to waste my time giving up draft capital for a safety or a corner, especially a safety. Right. We just got done talking about the inability to get Juan Thornhill on the field and move Dan Sorensen off. You think they're really going to trade for a safety? No, thank you. Corner, I, I don't think that's really the problem with this team. I don't. I mean, look, they, they could obviously go for a, a stud corner if Stephon Gilmore was still available. He's not. He's in Carolina now. New England already traded him. But I'm not interested in that. It's pass rusher for me. And then you get into the financial issue. You know, the, the names that, that have been linked are former Chief Emmanuel Ogba, who's down in Miami now, who's actually had a nice two-year run. But the Chiefs have, depending on what site you look, look at, spot track or over the cap that projects the cap openings, the Chiefs have any for, anywhere from, what, 1.8 to, to 2.2 million in cap space? I, I don't know how you make that work. Yeah, it's nothing. And if you're going to do a trade like that to get them to eat some of the money, well, guess what? You're going to have to give up a better draft pick. And I, I don't think the Chiefs are in a position to suddenly go from giving up a seventh round or sixth round pick to having to give up a fourth. And I don't think the Chiefs are willing to do that, nor should they, because we know these issues that they have defensively, a lot of them are still going to be there next year 
financially even. And so I need that draft capital for next year. So no, I, to answer your question, Tyler, I, no, I, I don't want them to make really any trades uh, whatsoever. I don't think the option's out there. Yeah, I think you're right about that, Alex. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on. Alex, I know you're big into covering the, uh, the sports betting scene and what, what that has turned into. Uh, what bets are you following this week? Uh, anything uh, that jumps off the board catches your eye, man? Yeah, it's, it's wild to see how much it continues to take off as more and more states legalize. And, and so it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully it happens at some point here in, in Kansas or Missouri. I'm jealous that you up, uh, up in Nebraska have something coming your way in 2022. <laughs> I'm really jealous. But no, for, for this week, so haven't taken the full deep dive on the entire slate yet, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued starting with, with this, the Chiefs game. So the total uh, is 56 and a half for this game against the Titans. That is the the highest total of the season actually ties the highest total of the season for any team in football. The chiefs were able to cover that uh, with the, the Buffalo bills uh, at 56 and a half, a couple weeks ago. That's another total that I really like for, for some of the reasons we discussed about both these defenses just <laughs> are, are dreadful, both the Titans and the chiefs. So sure. that's definitely a, a play. I really like just on, on the surface heading into to this game. And, and then after that, I'll, I'll just tell you one, you know, for, for tonight, Thursday night football that I, I absolutely just stay away from. Uh, I just don't waste <laughs> your time. I don't, I don't trust it. We saw with all the injuries, the I line like go down a Thursday little bit. Thursday night football usually anyway. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you overall. That's not, that's not something that I typically do. I was trying to look at the updated line. I think it got down to two, if I'm not mistaken, it was at one point uh, for the Broncos at, at three and a half it went down to two on the news that Baker Mayfield's not going to play in case Keenum's going to start. But I, I just don't trust either of these teams. There's just too many injuries on, on both sides. I and mean, even Teddy Bridgewater is not all that healthy. So I stay away from, uh, from this Thursday night football matchup overall. But if you want me to give you a, uh, another game uh, that just to kind of keep an eye on. I think if you're looking at the Los Angeles Rams and the Lions, I know the, the Lions are the Detroit Lions and, and they've been dreadful, but 15 and a half points to me is just too many points in the NFL. And so I actually, I know it sounds crazy. I like the Detroit Lions plus 15 and a half. And for, for this reason, one, it's too many points for the NFL. And, and the other reason, Tyler, is it's Jared Goff, going back up against Sean McVay. And, and we all heard the comments from, from Dan Campbell earlier this week, uh, essentially calling out Jared Goff and saying, you know, it's time for him to step up. And I know some people kind of had an issue with those comments. I actually think that was intentional. Um, I, don't, I don't think he meant it. You know, I think it was, look, this guy's going up against Sean McVay, who he, he can't win without, everybody says, and he can if you look at the numbers. He just hasn't, Jared Goff hasn't won without Sean McVay. Uh, and if that's the case, well, let's, let's motivate him. This is the week to try to prove some people wrong. I actually think that that bodes well to a certain extent, despite the lack of weapons for Goff. I think they lose this game, right. <laughs> but I, but I think they cover the 15 and a half. That's a lot of points in the NFL. You might even look at a teaser option here. Why not, why not tease the, the lions up a little bit to six points. And all of a sudden you're looking at 21 and a half and, and couple that with another team. And all of a sudden you you got a 21 point cushion there for Jared Goff against the Rams. I like that move. Uh, one of the things I was looking at the board stands out to me uh, is when you look at these college games this week, it feels like there's a lot of situations where the wrong team is favored. I mean, uh, you know, the number 10 team in the country, Oregon's a two and a half point dog to UCLA, Oklahoma state, a seven point dog to Iowa state uh, Clemson. I know they haven't played great, but they're a three point dog to Pittsburgh. I mean, uh, Vegas uh, really a uh, lot, is it uh, looks like Vegas is calling for some upsets this weekend. 
Yeah, the Oklahoma State one is surprising considering, I mean, everybody everybody loves Oklahoma State right now. You would think based off of what they've been able to do the last couple of weeks, that that one is a is kind of a bizarre one to me as well. I mean, I, I think, you I mean, in this situation, I, I would take Oklahoma State plus six and a half. I got to see where their injury is, if there's if there's any injuries there for for Oklahoma State. But that's a stunner. And, and your point about uh, if you're looking at Clemson, that, that one, that one to me is not an issue. I have lost plenty of money on, on Clemson this year, trying to believe that they can turn it around. Uh, I, I had money on Clemson, uh, this past, was it last week? I guess it would have been against Syracuse. Maybe it was two weeks ago. I think it was last week against Syracuse on a Friday night game. And, and they, they struggled to cover, uh, and, and that game really should have lost to Syracuse. They're just not the same Clemson team after mm-hmm. all overall. And so I actually, that's one where that sounds about right to me in the Clemson Pittsburgh game. The one I don't get that you brought up, Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Something's up there. It's one of those. There's t- some lines where you're like, "What do they? What do they know that we don't know?" This this happened a couple weeks ago where we were talking about an NFL game on our show, and it was I think it was the Packers and the Bengals, and that ended up you know I think the Packers were only three and a half point favorites, and you're like, hey, "What against the Bengals? What you know? What, what what's going on here?" And if you remember, that was the game that had the five missed field goals, and it was crazy, and the and Green Bay ended up winning in, in overtime and everything like that. But there, there, you know, there, there's always some reason you think, all right, what do they know that we don't know? But if you're going to give me Oklahoma State six and a half points, I mean, I, that that seems like something you got to take. Yeah, I, I know you're a KU guy, uh, Alex. Uh, I, <laughs> I just hope our Hawks could cover, uh, what is it, uh, you know, 38 and a half against OU. I mean, just, just, just be somewhat uh, competitive. I, I just need a couple touchdowns and I'll be pleased. I bet on one KU game this year and I felt sick and gross for doing it, Tyler. I, it was the, the coastal Carolina game. And I got, I got it. I got it at the right number though. So I pushed, I can't, was it, what was it? 20. I can't remember if it was 18 and a half or 21. I can't remember what the going back to, to week two or week three, whatever it was. Um, but that was the only game I bet on KU and it was a sweat just to push. And so I, I, I don't bet on KU football anymore. <laughs> I'll bet on some KU hoops here as that season starts up. And, and I kind of, I really like where, where KU basketball is headed this year, but uh, KU football, I just, I just can't, if anything, I just fade the Hawks at this point. Fade Hawks. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> 38 and a half. Yeah. That, that'd be something if, uh, if they can't cover that one, I don't know what to say. What do you think though of uh, what Lance Leipold's done his uh, first year? What's your, been your impressions of him there in Lawrence? I mean, the first few weeks, I, you know, I, I had a different feeling. The first few weeks, all right, this, you can tell there's a little bit more, uh, you know, energy on the sidelines for, for starters, right, which was something we hadn't seen in a, in a couple of years. And I liked what I saw from Bean, the, the Bean kid at quarterback for a little bit. And then, uh, unfortunately, since they've got into Big 12 play, you've seen the difference in talent, right, and the quality of athlete. They, you know, they don't, they don't have, frankly, many guys that should be starting in the Big 12, He's still on this, on this roster. It's getting, it's getting better. And I, I'm a believer that, that he is someone that can build a program. It's just, I, I, the skepticism is understood because we've, how many times Tyler have you and I probably had these type of conversations over the last decade about <laughs> KU football and like, what do you think? Is this the guy and all that? Like I, I want to believe. And I, and I, and I think there's some things that they're doing differently that, that puts them in a better spot but it's just the uphill battle is just so massive going forward with this team. And it, it, it's tough when we're talking about spreads of 30 and a half points and whether or not they can hang within 38 or even this past week, you know, on homecoming against Texas tech before the season started, that was one game on the big 12 slate. You said, Hey, if there's any chance before the season, any chance of hanging close, maybe pulling an upset, that's the one Texas tech is not any good. And, and as you know, what it was 24, nothing at halftime and yeah. they got blown out. So that's where it's tough. You know, you asked me 
after the Coastal Carolina game, and it's weird because Kansas still lost by 20-plus points, and we we're like, oh, that's some progress. And, and, you know, and now it's gotten, you know, now it's gotten even worse from there. So it's just, it's frustrating. I, I like, you know, I like Leipold. I like Travis Goff. Uh, the, the athletic director, the athletic director there at KU, is just you know it's just such an uphill battle for them. Man, uh, for a little inside baseball, folks at home, you know I covered Kansas football, gosh, you know five six years, and Alex and I usually were assigned to get you know sit together, you know for for a long time, and I can't count how many just the all these blowouts we saw over the years, and this is my first year in a long time, Alex, not covering Kansas football, and I find my my Saturdays to be a little more peaceful these days. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, look, don't, you don't, don't want to put yourself through that. Why, why do that to yourself? And, you know, like I, and it sounds bad. Like we, we both, you know, went to KU and I, you know, in, in the alma mater and everything, but man, it's just like, I, why, why would I, and this will get back to somebody, someone will love this, but like, why, why would I spend, why would I spend any money going to a KU football game right now? Why, why would I waste my Saturday afternoon doing that? There's no, there's just no reason for it uh, what, whatsoever. And so I haven't been to a KU football game, man, since, probably 2015, 2016. I mean, there's just no reason for me to, to go. It's one of those where like, I'll, look, if you, if you start showing some real signs of progress, yeah, I'll, I'll support you. I'll absolutely. I would love to look, I would love for KU to be yes. a five or six win team. And I, you, I go two games a year probably. Um, but I just, right now, I just, why, why it's just not, why waste your afternoon uh, even on a homecoming when they're down 24, nothing at halftime. And it sucks for, obviously for from the, the new guys that they weren't part of the, the decade long losing, but it's just, it, it's reality of where the program is at. Right. Go mow the yard, do something else. Uh, <laughs> anything <laughs> else other than watching a kid's football person. You did mention uh, you're excited about Kansas basketball this year, that number three rating in the uh, AP poll and, and all that. Uh, I, I'm very intrigued to see what, uh, what Bill's got up his sleeve this year in uh, this 2021 through 2022 campaign. What do you think of this, uh, the squad here, Alex? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I, I think you have to be when you when you see this. And, and also, I'm excited seeing that it looks like perhaps they're back to recruiting like they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we see the news, you know, that they're, they're, they're doing some things they haven't done probably in five or six years with the, the quality of athlete uh, and talent that they're bringing in. And I don't know if that is uh, that people have now kind of gotten fatigued with the FBI, uh, Adidas investigation, NCAA investigation, right, where it's a situation now where the punishment still could come, but we've been talking about this for three years. So if you're a recruit, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at it and you're like, all right, it, you know, maybe it's not going to happen anytime soon, you know? And, and so it keeps getting dragged on. How many times have we talked about, well, final win, win a national title, or right? Get to a final four and you'll worry about the postseason bam the next year. Right. And we've been saying that for two years no. or so. And so I'm wondering, you know, if you're an 18 year old, 17 year old kid, you know, it's been used against KU as we know on the recruiting trail and, and everything. And, it hasn't happened yet. And so I'm wondering if that's what's led to better uh, success on the recruiting trail. I obviously love Remy Martin coming in as a transfer from, from Arizona state. I mean, there's a reason why he's the big 12 preseason player of the year. I think what, what a stud pickup that is for Kansas. We, they haven't had a, a guard like that in quite some time that can go and create his own shot uh, in the way that I expect Remy Martin to be able to do so. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. And obviously with Missouri being back on the schedule, I think everybody's intrigued to see that. I know Missouri uh, basketball a year ago would have been way more interesting just from a competitive nature, uh, but still at, at Allen Fieldhouse, December 11th, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be special. And I, and I think Kansas uh, we'll win. We'll win the Big 12 this year. I expect that to be the case. I think they're just going to be a lot more uh, uh, effective scoring the basketball 
than they were a year ago, just in terms of from their guards and having the ability not to be, not to be forced to, to rely on one guy. I think there are going to be a couple different guys that you're going to be able to look at that can, can put some points on the board for this team and, and get back to, frankly, where we typically had seen some of these Bill Self teams in the past. You, you heard it last year, like the frustration yeah. at the end of the year from Bill Self. Like he acknowledged like they, they had to go out and get some guys. And they just didn't have the personnel that you need to have at Kansas. And I mean, after that embarrassment against USC. So yeah. I'm excited. Well, and uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I posted on social media the other day when I was actually flying back from uh, Dallas. I ran into uh, Norm Roberts in the airport. And Norm, I was asking about the team, how things are looking. And I mean, like, I've never seen a guy with such a big grin when talking about this basketball team. I mean, there was a real sense of excitement i've never seen norm like that before so uh maybe that's a sign of things to come we'll see but uh, definitely gonna be intriguing to watch for um now let me ask you this you mentioned uh kind of the, the ncaa investigation stuff it was used against them i was thinking alex it kind of reminds me of you know we heard for a long time with north carolina and roy williams of you know how that affected them on the recruiting trail and and such but they never really faced much of a punishment at all, and then they ended up winning national championships thereafter. Do you think this could be the end game for Kansas, that maybe we do all this talk and nothing happens and Kansas gets back to winning the way we expect? I mean, what, what what's the end game when this is all said and done, you think? I think what makes this a little different and mysterious is the fact that this independent review panel, right, this IRP or whatever it's called, uh, that exists, that didn't exist, uh, back there with North Carolina, uh, not only as we know is the, the situation different just in terms of the allegations, but the fact that this is kind of the, the, the final call, right? There's no there's no appeal process after right. uh, th- this panel unless you want to take it, you know, go the legal route where you take, you know, you, you believe you can win side the, the, you know, the high court, you know, I mean, that's that that's about it. And so that's the unknown that nobody knows. We haven't seen enough cases go through this panel process. And then, of course, COVID delayed everything. And so right. that's what makes this so challenging to figure out. I still find it hard to believe that Kansas comes out of this like <laughs> completely unscathed. I, I just I don't I don't know how that happens. Um, but for those that think this is going to be you know a uh, a show cause uh, for Bill Self, uh, a multi-year postseason ban, you know as bad as it gets, really in today's day and age. Um, the longer it goes on and and you get further removed from it, I have a hard time believing that's the punishment. I, I think worst case to me is a one-year postseason ban. And of course, uh, looking back at that final four birth a couple of years ago and having that, uh, you know, it's so funny, like removed, right? Which we all, I mean, it's, you got your t-shirt still, Tyler. You right, I, I was mean? there. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you were there. Yeah, they're, they're going to hold the men in black device, right? And and, and they're, they're going to wipe your memory. It never happened. Um, but look, I mean, I, 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 th- there's going to be something, but now it's going to be after this season, right? I mean, even, I mean, there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to impact this year. And so I think the, the worry still exists for, for KU fans, but it's maybe not as significant as what it was a year and a half ago or two yeah. years ago. And a lot of that's just time, right? A lot of the time has moved on a little bit and, and you're wondering, but um, there, it, to me, you're not going to get off the same way North Carolina did, which was nothing. Right. Right. Alex, we're out of time. Uh, where can people follow you and see all the uh, great work you're doing in Kansas City, man? 
Yeah, appreciate it. It's been fun coming on. Of course, uh, on Twitter, just my name, at Alex Gould. You can follow me there. And then uh, on 610 Sports Radio, for those of you uh, that might reside in Kansas City, I'm on 10 to 2 uh, every day with Cody Tapp and certainly talking a lot of Chiefs football right now. And hopefully next year uh, we'll, we'll get some some Royals baseball going and a nice little run. That's that's the hope. I'm, I'm thrilled for Royals baseball next year. Got to get some Bobby Wood Jr. action going. Oh, man. He was special up here in Omaha the, uh, the last couple of months. Certainly excited to see what he can do. Uh, there in Kansas City. But uh, Alex, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Let's uh, catch up again down the line. Yeah, you got it, man. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian with a y, dot o'connor at lpl.com. Also on Facebook, O'Connor Advisory Group. And you can check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast, available on the Studio Soapbox Network each and every Monday and Friday. And Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? I'm doing good. It's an exciting week on the Studio Soapbox Network. It is. Uh, your show has been on the air now uh, a few weeks, and uh, we had the launch of a Luke Slayball's show this week, uh, Raw Tools, and uh, the Let's Go Racing show on the road this week. We were in yeah. Dallas uh, for the uh, race at Texas Motor Speedway, going to be at Kansas Speedway on Sunday. So uh, a lot going on, Bo. Uh, glad to have you a part of uh, this uh, big week. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really cool. We just got – we just got uh... – the point five into the can, it'll come out here on Friday. So, and then I'm going to be gone all weekend. I'll be at the USC Notre Dame game with some friends, and then we're going to record some stuff that we're going to uh, try to fit in the next couple of weeks as well. Now, fun. you with your buddies, that sounds kind of dangerous based on what you tell me. Well, here's what we got. I'll explain it. This is, we call it the COCE. It's a celebration of Chris Yule. So Chris Yule is an old friend of ours. Uh, he was a guy that I went to high school with. He was a year older than me. And Chris went to USC. He, uh, he's from Topeka, Kansas, went to USC, um, was an aspiring sports writer, ended up being a writer for the Baltimore Sun. Um, tragically, he had um, a brain hemorrhage and uh, later ended up having brain cancer and dying uh, in his late 20s. And we lost a, uh, just a super, super man. Just, it's not often in your life you meet someone that's not just your, uh, that you look up to, even though they are your age. I mean, he was one of those that was someone like that. And so every year we've gotten together, a group has gotten together, and they try to go to a USC game or something or related to USC. Um, I haven't been able to go the last few years. We had COVID last year. None of us did. And then I was either, you know, my son was in high school for those years, so I was you know, watching his games on Friday night, kind of hard to get away to go to a football game on Saturday, or I was coaching. And he's like, Coach, Friday night, you can't really get away for Saturday. You got to get away for practice. So uh, this is my first one in a while. So I'm glad to be going back. Going back, there's going to be like a 10 or 12 of us that are going. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, it'll have some crazy stuff just like a bunch of guys do. But we're all older, too. We're all in our 40s now, even up. And it's I don't suspect anyone's getting arrested or anyone. I did joke I'd punch a leprechaun if one decided he wanted to mess with me with Notre Dame. So, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, we'll have some fun. It'll be good times, and it's good to get away. You know, we've been going through COVID. It's been hard to travel. So uh, I haven't been anywhere in about a year and a half. So, yeah, it's it's nice to get away. 
Yeah, Looking sounds like it's going to be a great time. Certainly excited for you, Bo, and we'll look forward to hearing the uh, the postgame report afterwards of uh, how yeah. everything went down. Let's start with our pigskin pick'em this week, our picks against the spread. Ten games on the docket, five college, five NFL. Here's the college slate, number 10, Oregon at UCLA. UCLA, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Number eight, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Iowa State, a seven-point favorite. USC at number 13, Notre Dame. Notre Dame favored by seven. Number 16, Wake Forest at Army. Wake Forest, a three and a half point favorite. Clemson on the road at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, a three point favorite. Meanwhile, in the NFL, the Bengals and Ravens square off with the Ravens favored by six and a half. The Chiefs travel to Nashville to take on the Titans. The Chiefs, a four and a half point favorite. Broncos against the Browns on Thursday night football. No Baker Mayfield. Browns favored at three and a half at home. Colts taking on the 49ers. The Niners, a three and a half point favorite at home. Then on Monday night football, the Saints and the Seahawks. The Saints are favored by five. So, Bo, let's go ahead and get started with the college games. Oregon versus UCLA. What do you think here about the Ducks, despite being a top 10 team going in as an underdog on the road? I think it has more to do with the fact that UCLA can put up lots of points in bunches. Um, I don't think that UCLA will just outscore them. I like Oregon here. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. But um, I think Oregon's a better team. I think that what um, Brian Kelly's going on uh, – sorry, not Brian Kelly. Um, UCLA's coach. I can't Chip Kelly. Name right now. Chip Kelly. Yeah, that's close. Um, I would UCLA wants to – they want to run the football. They want to run their offense as fast as possible, like a track meet. Uh, but I think Oregon was going to stay with them. So I, I like Oregon. I'll take two and a half. You know, I'm going to use one of your favorite phrases, Bo. Wrong team favorite here. Oregon should be the favorites. I know they're on the road, but UCLA is not an intimidating atmosphere by any means. We know that their offense can score points. They play very physical, sound defense led by their head coach, Mario Cristobal. Give me the Ducks to uh, cover as a two and a half point dog. Number eight, Oklahoma State taking on Iowa State. The Cyclones, a seven-point favorite at home. Bo, same thing for me here. Wrong team favorite again. How is Oklahoma State a seven-point underdog to an unranked Iowa State team? I don't know, and I don't like when we agree on things, Tyler. I mean, we're going to lose. <laughs> um, I like Oklahoma State here. I like Oklahoma State outright. I'm a believer in Oklahoma State. So of the, uh, they're the team in the Big 12 I'm watching right now. They're the team I got my eyes on. I'll do Oklahoma State. You want to give me a free touchdown? Thank you. Right, and that's the, the free touchdown is key here. Could Iowa State win? Of course they could. But I don't see this being a scenario where Iowa State's winning a touchdown ball game. If they win, Bo, I think this is by no more than three or four here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is going to be close. I. I don't see Iowa State winning by much more than a field goal if they do win. Um, but I think Oklahoma State's going to go in there and win. Yeah. All right. Next game, USC and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is seven-point favorite at home. Bo, you'll be at this game. What do you think? I think that USC is not going to let me down. We're going to go in here. We're going to represent. USC is going to beat Notre Dame. All right. Notre Dame's going to win the game. But USC is going to keep it within seven. Um I'm thinking USC, just because I'm going to be there. That's who I'm rooting for. It's, you know, COCE weekend, and we USC ain't going to let us down. They're going to do this for us. And uh, it's going to be fight on all the way from Chicago 
over to South Bend and back. We're going to drink all the beer. We're going to beat up all the leprechauns. And we're going to go back to Chicago and party all night long like Ric Flair. Give me the trumpets. Um, I love everything about what you just said, except the pick of USC. I watched that Oregon State game. I watched the Utah game. This USC team is awful. Um, I don't think Notre Dame is that great, but I would be shocked if they don't win by more than seven points here. I think that they handle business just fine. Give me the Irish to cover as a seven-point uh, favorite against USC. 16 ranked Wake Forest taking on Army. Wake a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Ball, what do you think here? Wake put up points, a lot of them. And uh, Army's going to want to shorten the game with that run offense theirs. But I think Wake's going to be too much. I like Wake. I think three and a half could be a little tough. The hook there, that, that half point could be the difference. But I'm going to go ahead and roll with it. I like, I'm like. i going to take Wake Forest here. I can see it being a bigger spread. That's why I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go with that. But uh, I think likely three, four, five points in that area is probably about right. Give me uh, Wake Forest to uh, cover as well. Uh, they certainly have some good offense. They're kind of the last hope for the ACC at this point. I'm not expecting much out of Wake the rest of the way, though. It's a nice story, but uh, three and a half, I think they'll be fine and uh, cover that margin there against Army. But I don't think that they're that great of a team, in all honesty. Last college game, Clemson and Pittsburgh, 23rd ranked team in the land at home, three-point favorite. Bo, what do you think here? <laughs> I know what you want to say. You want to talk about how people want to send Dabo Sweeney to Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge will eat Dabo Sweeney alive. Get him out. Of here. You don't even want him. You would be lucky to have Dabo. You, we you would, would. We would. I would. I would stop being an LSU fan if Dabo Sweeney was. No, you. I wouldn't. would turn my back on my people. No, you would hire Dabo Sweeney. Yes, I You'd would. You'd love I it. You'd love it. Don't lie. No, no, horrible. He'd be a horrible choice too. Stop. Having said that, he's not a good coach. They're not a good team, and Pittsburgh's about to roll. Three is a gift. Give me Pittsburgh. I'll lay the three. Give me Dabo and the boys. Uh, eventually, they got to turn. Hey, we got to put 20 on the side here. Come on, 20 on the side, you and me. <laughs> we betting 20 bucks on this game? I'll take I'll take Pittsburgh. Tell you what, uh, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods next week. Let's just bet dinner on. Uh, done. Done. All right. We'll bet dinner on this one. Give me uh, Dabo and the boys. Let's get Dabo. Oh, a nice place with linens. And candlelight and a big thick steak, and I want a heart music in the background. I want it to be nice. Don't go cheap on me. I'm not going to Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make you buy me that Bill Self mac and cheese. It is really good. I got a gift card. I'll use that. <laughs> of course, you have a gift card. Uh, give me uh, Clemson to win this one. Uh, I think eventually they'll turn it around. And and I mean these teams, the ACC just aren't that good. Pittsburgh, I think they'll take care of business. I like how you say these teams in the ACC aren't very good, and Clemson's one of them. <laughs> you might have a point there. Right. To the I NFL, mean, the no. Bengals taking on the Ravens. Ravens are six and a half point favorite at home. Bo, the Ravens, man, they they beat the crap out of the Chargers just last week. Can they do this two weeks in a row? The Ravens are a good team. They made the top uh, coach Bo's top five power rankings this week. Having said that, they're not seven points better than Cincinnati Bengals. This is a shootout of two of the th two MVP candidates. I like the Ravens to win the game. I like the Bengals to keep it close. I'll take the I'll take the Bengals plus six and a half. 
Oh, Bo, I look at that game last week, and that should have sent a wake-up call to the rest of the league. This Baltimore team is legit. And Lamar Jackson, MVP candidate and all. I know that the Bengals went toe-to-toe with the Packers, but uh, I'll lay the points. Give me uh, the Ravens to a win and cover that six-and-a-half-point margin. I'll disagree with you. So we got some disagreement going. You realize, you realize if, the, uh, if the Bengals had a kicker, they might be 6 and right now? They very well could be. But they're not. So, you know, and kicking is, uh, you know, special teams one third of the game, Bo. You know that. Uh, the Chiefs taking on the uh, Titans, the Chefs uh, going to uh, Nashville. Chiefs are four and a half point favorite. Bo, uh, I think the Chiefs are going to find a way to win this game, but I'm not, I'm not touching that four and a half point margin. I got to ride with Tennessee, King Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I don't think they're winning, but I don't think they're losing by five here. I think this is a game that comes – this is a field goal game here. Give me uh, Tennessee to cover, but the Chiefs to win. I, I can see it going either way at the end. I think it is one of those last team, you know, has a good chance and a good drive at the end of the game. Um, and Derrick Henry, to me, Derrick Henry is the MVP right now. If you had to play a first third MVP, I'd take Derrick Henry. Um, he is just phenomenal. Um. This is a really good – these are two really good teams. These are, I think the Chiefs are better than everybody – than they, their record shows. This is a game – the Chiefs have got a three-game – a five-game stretch here. They've got to win some games. They've got the Titans. They've got the Packers in three weeks, the Cowboys in five weeks, between now and Thanksgiving. they got to win four out of five of those games somehow. And it, I think it might start here, but uh, I like the Titans plus the four and a half. I think it's a close game. Um, one thing I did notice the Chiefs – a lot more Tyron Matthew up in the front. Did you notice that in last this last week? Worked out really good, too. You know, it's funny. Some old coach has been saying, you know, the Chiefs defense needs to go ahead and put that guy up in the front against the run. They finally started doing it, and look what happens. Imagine that. The Broncos taking on the Browns. Browns a three-and-a-half-point favorite. No Baker Mayfield. Case Keenum gets the start. Teddy Bridgewater also dealing with an injury. He looks like he's going to be able to play, though. Bo, who do you got here in uh, this quarterback injury riddled game here between the Broncos and the Browns on Thursday night? This is the Thursday night game. So you got both of them coming off the quarterback injuries, you know, coming quickly. Um, Browns, no, may, no, uh, uh, no Baker. The Broncos are going to have Teddy. Uh, the Browns also, what the hell's going on? Odell Beckham. They're not keeping Odell Beckham happy. Man, you need to give the ball to my man Odell Beckham. Since they won't do that, I'm taking the Broncos plus three and a half. Doesn't this feel like, Bo, it's going to be one of those ugly Thursday night football games we yeah. all dread? Yeah, this is one of those games that, you know how once in a while that, that the team that's like the seven or ten point underdog ends up taking the 12 point lead early and they yeah. stay with it and you're like, you're like, why am I watching this game? But I kind of feel like this game is going to be. I feel like the Broncos are going to come out early and put like two quick touchdowns on the Browns, and then no one's going to score after that. I think Joe Bach is going to sit up there in the booth about halfway the first through the first quarter and ask himself, why am I here and not covering Major League Baseball right now? Um, <laughs> this could be an ugly game. I like the Broncos. Um, if Baker was playing, I'd take Cleveland here, but no Baker Mayfield. I think that's a big difference more than people realize. Give me the Broncos to cover that three-and-a-half-point margin. Colts and Niners. Niners favored by three and a half at home. Bo, both these teams are really desperate for a win right now. Who do you got? I like the 49ers. 
I ain't being at home, defense a little better. I'm not sold on uh, on the Colts yet. I just don't, I don't have any no love for the quarterback, and I just don't think that he's that good. I'm, he's not someone that I think that when they get into the last two minutes of a game can go win the game for you. So I'm taking the 49ers. I guess it's going to be a boring game. This is going to be a close game. I mean, within a touchdown, but no one's going to watch this game unless you're a fan of these two teams. I mean, there's just nothing to this game that makes me want to watch either game, either team. So give me the 49ers. I haven't taken many, uh, any favorites. So there you go. Man, so how, how did this game end up on Sunday Night Football? I thought this was what the flex was for, was to get out of these games. Yeah, sh- <laughs> I, I don't know. I Maybe they thought oh. that uh, – maybe they thought Andrew Luck was coming back for the Colts. Uh, <laughs> Man. Uh, is that, so is there is there going to be baseball Sunday night? I don't think there is, is there? I hope there's something else to watch. Uh, I'll go with the Colts, I guess. Um Three and a half point margin, you know. I mean, that could you would like to think they could keep it within that. Um, but I'll be honest, I don't have a very good feel for this game. Neither one of these teams are that good. Um, I'll uh, I'll ride with the Colts. Uh, I got a niche, something's telling me I don't like either one of these teams, but I'll, I'll go with the Colts. I'm thinking Last the whole one time. Seahawks and Saints on Monday Night Football. Saints, a five and a half point favorite on the road. Geno Smith getting another start for the Seahawks. Bo, what do you think here? Well, the Helen Keller of the league, the New Orleans Saints, my New Orleans Saints, uh, they're either going to play really well or they're going to play really poorly. I mean, I can guarantee that. I can guarantee that. They're either gonna That's win how it goes every week with this team. Yeah, they're either going to win the game by two touchdowns or they're going to lose it by two touchdowns. Um, having said that, I'll take the uh, Saints just because well, I can't pick his own team. And, well, five is less than two touchdowns, so I'll take the Saints. Geno Smith, I'm never betting on Geno Smith. Yeah, no. that's, that's, that's a pretty good way of doing things. That's, that's a all I have good to say. Way of living. I'm not putting no. my life savings ever on Geno Smith for anything. Yeah, I'm riding with Jameis. Give me Jameis in the points. So there's our Come pick. on, Jameis. Come on, Jameis. Come on, Jameis. <laughs> I want to go to a craps table with Jameis Winston. <laughs> Every time you roll, I just, Come on, Jameis. <laughs> I feel like that that ought to be something you say uh, if you're at church with Jameis. Come on, Jameis. Come on, Jameis. <laughs> Jameis will catch the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you, I'm 100% certain of that. <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet going to church with Jameis Winston would be great. You know what? If I was one of those Make-A-Wish kids, that's what I'd ask <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I'm going to hell for saying that. I'm going to hell for that one. All right. So we're going to come up with like some fake disease or something we have and request to go to church with Jameis. Come on, Jameis. <laughs> come on. Lay healing hands on us, Jameis. <laughs> oh, God. Dear Lord, baby Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Come on. That's going to be a segment on next week's Coach Bo Podcast Point Five. I'm going to let everybody come on and just say, "What would be your your choice?" Matter of fact, you send a, send an email to Coach Bono's Show at gmail.com with who you would have. What situation would you ask for if you were a Make a Wish kid? 
And if it's funnier than Jameis Winston in church, I'll read it on the show. Oh, that's beautiful. All right, Bo, let's move on. Um, let's go to the NFL. Uh, how about this situation that is unfolding in Houston? We haven't seen Deshaun Watson play all year. You're still laughing. This is great. Um, we'll see if you uh, if I can get an answer out of you here in just a second. I'll try to stall as much as I can. We've seen a situation in uh, Houston where Deshaun Watson has not been suspended by the league. He's got 22 civil suits, and he hasn't played a game this year. Uh, he hasn't been activated, hasn't been around the team, whatever. And now we hear this report that comes out on Wednesday from John McClain of the Houston Chronicle longtime uh, you know, Houston sports writer, uh, saying that a deal could be done by the end of the week, sending Deshaun Watson to Miami. This team's one and five. Tua hasn't even played a full 17-game schedule since he's been there. And now they're already looking to potentially move on and bring in Deshaun Watson. What's your initial thoughts on uh, Miami going after Deshaun, despite all this stuff not being settled here? Okay, so let's take away all the stuff for let's just talk about it in football sense first. Okay. In football sense, this makes a lot of, of, of sense. Right. I mean, it makes sense for the dogs. The one thing they're just not good at. It. The one place in there there is a major hole in that team is the quarterback position. Deshaun Watson certainly fills that hole if you're looking at just the football stuff. Now Let's bring this stuff back in now. They're one in five. Yeah. They're not winning that division. If there's a place that could take him, that could deal with what could be coming, if anything is coming, it could be Miami. This makes a lot of sense. It also means that Miami's not trying to stake their future hopes on an Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes in the offseason. Sean Watson's got a contract, a pretty decent one. You know, we know what kind of player he is. If the if the Dolphins feel like they can deal with the PR headache of it, which the longer this goes without there being anything from the NFL, the easier that's going to be, I think. There are no criminal charges here. So, I mean, you can settle up lawsuits and you can sign NDAs. So, I, I don't know. This makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not saying that I think that Deshaun Watson's, you know, worthy of this or worthy of opportunities. I don't, I don't know what's happened to him in these things. I'm not going to pass judgment on that. To me, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, the Texans can't keep him. They can't. They, he doesn't want to be there. They've got to figure out something. And I think the place that makes sense is Miami. I think, I think if Miami were five and one right now, they wouldn't do this deal. I think some of it being one and five plays a big part of it. Yeah, you can hide him for a little bit and, you know, weather the storm. We all love a comeback story. So why not? What about Tua? We've seen him not play great. They used a high draft pick on him. Uh, They're, you know, what was it, top 15 pick. Yeah. And, you know, We've seen that, you know, last year, they didn't want to give him the full range. They would bring in, you know, Fitzpatrick at times to be like a closer of sorts. And this year he's been dealing with these injury issues. Um, What about that? To me, that that just seems so bizarre that 
They sent all they spent all this time scouting him. They got their guy that they wanted, and now they're all ready to ready to dump him this quick. Uh what what say you as far as how the Dolphins are treating Tua and all this? Well, I think the whole thing on the Tua deal is that we knew going into this season that Tua was gonna have to play his way into being the quarterback next season. They were going to have to know what they had with Tua, and it was going to have to be acceptable, or they were going to get another quarterback. I mean, they look at it and go, well, he's played a little bit. He didn't play well. He's injury prone. I think they're looking at it as he's injury prone. We can get out of this contract. So we might as well go get the best quarterback we think we can get for the long haul. And they may be looking at this going, the long haul answer is Deshaun Watson. I don't think it's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand the, the logistics of it as far as to how it's going to look, but I mean, again, it'd be different. If they were a team that was a franchise that was winning. They'd be different. If they weren't a team that was in transition. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that I encourage the behavior of Sean Watson, but I will say that certainly people can make mistakes and we, we all love a comeback. We all love to give people second chances that may be deserving. Why not? One thing I look at, Bo, is the Houston Texans. We know that they have been such a mess. Uh, even when they were making the playoffs a couple of years ago, they were still, you know, just a mess of an organization. And when you look at how they've handled this Deshaun Watson deal, the fact that before all the investigations were out there, that, you know, he wasn't happy and, you know, how things went down with Bill O'Brien and all that. And then the fact that they don't trade him. And, you know, they, they sit through all this and they don't play him this year, but yet he still might play for Miami and such. Could the Texans have screwed this up anymore? I can't imagine they're going to even come close to getting what they could have gotten out of him if they make this deal a couple months back. No, I can't imagine. I don't want to say screwed it up. I don't know what a good playbook would have been on this, to be honest. I think that, I mean, there was no real good outcome here. This might have, I'm not saying this is the best outcome, but it, it certainly could be worse. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't think they've handled it well, but I also don't think it's the worst thing. I, I think right now everyone's just trying to find their footing. Yeah. And, and I think that it's just one of those things where let's just not read too much into it. Let's see what happens and then kind of go from there. Let's not overreact when a situation happens. Let's see how things play out in the court of law and the court of public opinion. Okay. Uh, let's uh, move on to uh, Cleveland. We mentioned Baker Mayfield out for Thursday night football, and then he's been dealing with this injury the last, you know, couple weeks or so. Uh, the Browns are putting up points. The offense looks good, but it's the defense that's been, you know, their biggest struggle. Uh, when they lost to the Chargers a couple weeks ago, that was the most points ever scored by a team that lost and didn't have any turnovers in NFL history. 42 points, didn't win, didn't have any turnovers. First time that's ever happened. Um, look, you know, I'm a Baker guy. I'd love to see him stay in Cleveland. I'd like to see him get an extension of, of sorts there and you know, get a nice payday. Do you think the Browns are going to end up giving Baker the money he wants? Do you see him staying in Cleveland long-term? I, I think they will. I, I The hard part here is, where else do you go? Right. You know, we, you and I talked about it for a long time. You know, where, where else are you going to go? What quarterback are you bringing in? 
it's better. And you've got to pay a quarterback no matter who he is. So the, uh, by saying, well, we don't want Baker, then you have to say, well, I'm taking a step back as a franchise because we don't have a franchise quarterback. Right. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. I, I don't know if they have a better option right now available to them. Well, and it, you don't have to go very far back to look at their track record with quarterbacks. I mean, they, they can't no. take this situation for granted what they have in Baker. Yeah. Oh, I think that they are taking it for granted if they don't do something with Baker. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I don't know. But what I do know is he's better than half the quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. And even if you have a quarterback that's in the top half, you, unfortunately, you're going to have to pay him. That's the way the league works. You can win a, a Super Bowl with Baker, I think. I think you can if you have a good team around. I do. I think he's one of those. He's in the middle of the road. I think he's, you know, 10, 12, that area. I, I'm, I'm not going to go through my rankings of quarterbacks right now. He's not a bad quarterback. He's not a, not a top five guy where you would trade your franchise to get him. Right. But, you know, but the, the Browns have to also – look at their franchise and say, man, we've got to make a commitment to a quarterback. They've just never done it. Right. You know, we've famously seen those jerseys that, you know, where the guy bought a jersey with, you know, Bernie Kosar, and then it's the next 15 or 20 names, you know. You know, uh, Ty Detmer and uh, Tim Couch and everybody else who's been there all those years. Um, that franchise is a little snake-bitten at quarterback, to say the least. So I think that you just go ahead and do what you do to keep making it. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Let's, uh, let's move on and talk college football now. Uh, Georgia, number one, again. And then after that, uh, you're talking about Cincinnati at two, Oklahoma three, Alabama four, Ohio State five. Bo, what do you make of uh, where we're at right now? Georgia at number one, no surprise. They've separated themselves from the pack, but – did anybody think Cincinnati was going to make their way to be the number two team in the land? I'm, I'm loving what I've seen from Cincinnati to get. Yeah. Them. I, I mean, they're, I don't know. They're the second best team. I think Alabama's the second best team, but um, Cincinnati keeps winning. They keep putting up points. They stop everybody from scoring. I mean, they're a good team. I really hope they do run the table and I hope they make the playoff. I think if they win out, they should make the playoffs. I have them as number two on my ballot right now. Um, I want, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them to do something here. And uh, I, I, as a surprise, yes. But right now, there's not very many teams playing better. Yeah. And one and thing consistent. I look at with Georgia at one, you know, what we've seen so far this year is, you know, these upsets happening every week. Um, you know, last week it was Iowa, the number two team in the country. A week before that was Alabama, who's number one. You know, you, you go on down the line. It's been happening every single week here. For, for Georgia and their schedule ahead, I mean, you get Florida this weekend, Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston, Southern Georgia Tech. Um, it, it, it's going to have to be like the miracle of the century for somebody to knock off Georgia in the regular season, right? Yeah, it's going to – their next real test is the SEC championship game against Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the game. It's the winner is in the playoff, loser. If Georgia loses, they can still get in. If Bama loses, they're out. Okay, here's the scenario I see playing out, Bo, and tell me what you think. I think Georgia wins out, makes the playoff. Undefeated, number one, undisputed team, they're in. 
I think Oklahoma, they have found their guy in Caleb Williams. That offense looked a hell of a lot better against TCU last week. I think Oklahoma wins out. They'll make the playoff. I think they're the two seed. The three and the four seed is when it gets interesting. Alabama, I think their next loss comes to Georgia in the SEC title game. Alabama's out, doesn't make it. And I think Cincinnati gets a spot. They went out and the last spot goes to Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to win out, win the Big Ten. I think Oklahoma State's going to lose to Oklahoma uh, a couple times. I think uh, you're going to see Oregon probably slip up and lose another game despite the fact they beat Ohio State earlier this year. That's the scenario I see playing out. What do you think of that scenario? uh, I think if it goes that way, you're correct. I think that's who the Final Four will be uh, in your scenario. Um, It's going to come down to that Alabama-Georgia SEC championship game. Um, you know, Georgia eliminates Alabama if they win. If they lose, Bama gets in. And well, Georgia gets in. And so, Georgia, here's something to think about, too. Um, don't you really, like, in your mind, obviously you want to be SEC champions, but you got to be thinking to yourselves, too, we got to get these guys out of here now. Yes. The second best yeah. team in the country, more than likely – we have to take care of business. We do not want to face these guys again. Get, them, want, get them out of here. don't want Bama being the number one seed or the number two seed, and you're Georgia and you're the three and you're playing again in the playoff. Or if one of them goes in as one and one goes in as three and they're playing, somehow they end up in a championship game again. Um, yeah, if you're Georgia, you want to get it out of the way. Get it, Give it to us as quickly as possible if you're Georgia. Um, I, I don't think it's going to go that way. I, I have this bad feeling in my stomach that oh, something no. weird's going to happen. Okay. Uh, first off, I don't think any of the Big Ten teams are going to get in. We got three undefeated still. I think mean, I'm sorry, two. Michigan and Michigan State neither have beaten a ranked opponent yet. Right. Um, Ohio State will take care of Michigan for all of us, and Michigan will take care of Michigan State for us. Um, Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. They're going to win it. I mean, Iowa's going to win the other division. Ohio's going to beat them. But yeah. being there's your, there's your Big Ten champion. Um, a one-loss Oregon team in the Pac-12 doesn't look impressive. Flying the ointment is that, that, that game in the South. It's Georgia and, and Alabama. I just have this feeling that Alabama's going to play their best game that day. Hope I'm wrong. I want Georgia. To, I think Georgia is the better team right now. Um, but I can see that. Either way, I think if that game is – you know, if that game goes Georgia's way, Bama's out. And I do think a Big Ten Ohio State jumps in is the, is the Big Ten champion. Um, I think Cincinnati's in as long as they win out. I, I don't think that's getting taken from them at this point. So I think it's going to come down to that game. And then here's the fly in the ointment as well. Okay. No one's talking about Oklahoma State beating OU. They have potentially two matchups with them back-to-back weeks. Yeah. There's a, there's a team, I think the team that, and I, I will talk about this in my podcast, I think Oklahoma State, if I was to pick that game right now, I'd pick Oklahoma State over Oklahoma. I don't think Spencer Sanders is a good enough passer to beat OU. I, I don't think Oklahoma's defense can stop a nosebleed. Mm, I think they're getting a lot better each week. I don't think they are. I just I, I think Oklahoma State's playing with some momentum. I mean, Mike Gundy's got a good team here. 
I think he's a good coach. I, I like what I see. I'm a believer in Oklahoma State right now. So much so that number five on my ballot right now. I vote you at four. I vote you at four. And I have Oklahoma State at five. They're playing well, but, uh, you know, I've seen this dog and pony show too many times of Oklahoma State finding ways to lose to Oklahoma. I'm not putting my eggs on Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma. Now, I just don't have any confidence in a team that gives up 48 points in the game. If they split those games, though, and they're both competitive, then there's a potential for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to both make a playoff. That's a possibility, too. I don't think if they're either of them have one loss, they get in. I don't think there's enough respect for the conference for a one-loss champion from that conference to get in. The uh, only situation I can see, I'll say it this way. If Oklahoma State was to beat Oklahoma in the regular season game, in the Bedlam game, let's say it's close. Let's say it's 30-27, to 27, Oklahoma State kicks a field goal to win the game. And the next week they play in the Big 12 championship and it's 42 to 10 OU. You know, you can get it. We'll it see. can't be the other way around. See, I disagree. I think it can be the other way around, but there's going to have to be a couple other things that go their way. But yeah, I think though, the, I think the flying the ointments are going to be what happens about them. And then I think Oklahoma State, I do, I think they're for real. Now, one more thing on Georgia and then we'll move on. Mm-hmm. One thing I hear from Alabama people a lot, one of their big criticisms of Georgia is Kirby Smart in his decision-making. They say this, the, the idea is Kirby's going to Kirby. He's going to find ways to, to lose or screw things up of sorts. Do you think that's really that big of a deal? Do you think Kirby is kind of like Les Miles, or is this kind of being blown out of proportion a bit here? I think it's being blown out of proportion. I think – <laughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> Pardon me. I think the narrative of that is because in the championship game a few years ago when they played and Georgia took the big lead on Alabama and Alabama came storming back when they changed quarterbacks from Dylan uh, Hurts to Tua. And Tua played real well in the second half. They came back and won the game. I think that Georgia wasn't prepared for the backup quarterback. I mean, who would have thought that was going to happen? It's a different right. offense. So, the, I mean, that's where I think that, that that's why I think Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that that's the, the real deal there. I, I don't think that's really why. People were saying that because they say, well, Kirby put a bad game. They were not planning to see the complete different offense that Tua was going to have. Because you wouldn't suspect at the halftime they were going to change that. That's just, especially Nick Saban to make that change. Yeah. You wouldn't suspect so I think that narrative's tight. I, I and now we see the narrative that Saban can't lose to his assistant coaches. Well, that's already happened this season. Mm-hmm. You know, if anyone's gonna beat him, it'd be Kirby. I mean, from here, I, I, I think Georgia's the best team. I do think they'll beat Alabama, but I do have this feeling that Alabama can play their best game and beat Georgia. But it's gonna take their best game to do it. Yeah. I know you love to kill narratives on this show, Bo. Uh, that's, you know, that's part of my thing. <laughs> Last one for you. Coach O out at LSU at the end of this year. He's going to stay on and uh, coach the rest of the regular season. Bo, that LSU job, that's open. USC's open. There's a lot of good options out there. And for LSU, although that Orgeron won a national championship, 
winning a national title is, is not good enough. You're expected to be consistent every single year. What he was doing just wasn't going to fly. Yeah, so uh, eight and eight since he won the national title. 500 since he won the national title. He had what could arguably want to be one of the two or three best teams of all time. I mean, uh, that 2019 LSU team that just beat everybody, they were just unstoppable. You know, Joe Burrow and the Joe Brady offense, Dave Aranda's defense, they were just unstoppable. You know, had 13 guys get drafted. It's six in the first round. Um, you know, it's one of those 2001 Miami kind of teams. Um, Coach O is a great recruit. I mean, a great recruit. And he is a great guy for that program. And he's a guy that I root for. I mean, I do the impression, go Tigers. You know, I, you know, I like Coach O. But what they, how they've played since, since, since hold up that trophy has not been acceptable. Now, I do think there is a narrative at LSU that they should be more than who they are. You know, LSU fans and LSU people think that they're Alabama. They do. That's the standard that they want. The standard at LSU is we want to be Alabama. We want to beat Alabama. Part of that is they're in, our, they're in the division. They're the ones who keep winning national championships. Nick Saban's the former LSU coach. All those things. It's too high a standard and an expectation, frankly. I mean, it can't, that can't be anyone's expectation to year in and year out be Alabama or to beat them. Now, it's that's not, not the reason Coach Ogeron is getting fired. The reason he's getting fired is because they've lost games to, you know, Mississippi State, to Ole Miss. I mean, they've lost some games this year that are embarrassing. They lost some games last year that were embarrassing, and he lost the locker room. And there's some there's all sorts of rumors of what's going on behind. Because I'm not going to get into all that stuff. Uh, but my big thing is, I think what we're going to see. You mentioned USC's job and LSU's job. Which do you think's the better job? USC. See, I think that LSU's job is a better job. You're in the SEC. You got the school that wants to, that wants to win. That'll give you all the resources. USC has their resources and whatnot, but it's a football factory at LSU. But I do think USC will end up with a better coach. I think LSU is going to try too hard for a big name, and I think they're going to come up dry. They're going to try for James Franklin. They're going to try for Jimbo Fisher. And those guys are all going to use LSU to get a raise somewhere else. But if LSU is such great of a job, why would they not be able to get the name they want? I think that part of it is they hold them to too high a standard. And I think, I think you go to the USC job, you're not going to the USC job because you think I'm going to go and win championship for championship. You go on to Southern California, it's L.A., it's a great job, that kind of thing. If you want to be a football coach, you want to go to LSU. Mm -hmm. If you want to go meet a whole bunch of, you know, big-name donors, you go to USC. Uh, I just think that LSU is trying to be something that they're not. You know, I mean, the message boards are saying, you know, Jimbo Fisher, they'd be stupid not to come here. Jimbo Fisher is going to use LSU to get a raise in Avery. James well, Franklin is doing the same thing if he doesn't get the USC job. Here's one thing I look at when I compare those two jobs. LSU doesn't have football history before Nick Saban. Um, USC has been, you know, a powerhouse for 50, 60 years. Um, you know, they, they've 
been through this gauntlet before. There's a whole lot of, you know, just a, a plethora of talent in California just waiting for a competent coach that can recruit well. Um, I think it's easier to win, much easier to win quickly at USC. Where than- do you think it's easier to recruit? What? Where do you think it's easier to recruit? California. Well, let me ask you this. Which state has more NFL players? Well, right now it's Louisiana. But I think that has to, in, in large part, has to do with talents being underdeveloped in California. Yeah. That they're not being coached up well enough. Yeah. That there is, I think that there is a plethora of talent waiting for the right coach at USC. Yeah, I, I, I think they're both great jobs. And I do think USC is getting a better coach. I mean, unless LSU pulls some kind of a coup against James Franklin or Jimbo Fisher, they, they don't get one of those two guys. It's going to be disappointing to their people. Um, that's just, again, where I kind of see that. I think USC is where James Franklin's going to end up. I can see that. And I think that LSU is going to be stuck with either Mel Tucker from Michigan State, who's a good hire. I don't know if he's a great hire, but he's a good hire. He's going to get all the Nick Saban um, uh, comparisons because that's where Nick Saban came from. Right. And then the other one, the thing I think they'll end up with is, Nick, is uh, Dave Aranda from, from Baylor. Yeah. And he was the he was the defensive coordinator on the, on the championship team. Well-liked. Recruits well. People like his defense. People like defenses in the SEC. You know, I, I think that's who they'll end up with, Dave Aranda. Yeah. All right, well, we got to run. Uh, check out the Coach Bono's podcast available on Apple, Spotify, and uh, Google Podcasts. Also, O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com as well. Bo, have a great trip to South Bend, my friend, and we'll yep. catch up down the line next All week. Right. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you, Tyler. You have a great week. Take care. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's talk NBA now. And we have to start with the Brooklyn Nets, right? In this situation with Kyrie Irving and his decision to not get vaccinated and be suspended by the Brooklyn Nets. And there's going to be other shows that debate whether Kyrie should be vaccinated or not and, you know, whether he's a martyr or, you know, those type of things. We're not here to dive into that. I want to talk about the situation at hand with where the Nets are at. And now you have this question of, can the Nets win without Kyrie Irving? And I look at this roster, there's a lot of talent there, obviously, with Kevin Durant and James Harden and Blake Griffin, and the list goes on and on. But this team, Tom, was built with Kyrie Irving in mind. They built this team around Kyrie and KD. I don't think that they're better than the Bucks without Kyrie Irving. We saw what happened last year in the postseason when this Nets team was playing shorthanded and went up against that very good Milwaukee Bucks team. I think the Bucks are better, and there might be another team or two in the East that can compete still with the Nets. Um, if I'm the Nets, I'm doing everything I can to get Kyrie to get vaccinated or whatever it may take to get him back on the court again. I don't think this team can go the distance without Kyrie Irving and – Maybe they make a trade, try to get some value of some sort, whatever it may be. This team as is, is not good enough, I think. Which is crazy. And then you got James Harden, Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, which, I mean, granted, they're kind of washed a little bit, you know. 
but still it's it's crazy to me to see that and you know last night even patty mills seven for seven from three-point land uh you know had 21 points i mean they have the guys right and i don't is Kyrie that good i mean last night seems so it's game one it's game one but the way the Bucks looked, uh, they, they're going to have to have somebody to, you know, whether that be Kyrie Irving or somebody else that has, you know, a couple players worth the value of Kyrie Irving to be able to pull this off. Right. And I just don't see that happening. And not to mention, Tom, you look at last year, all the injuries that they suffered. You mentioned that some of these guys are washed and whatnot. Even the guys that are – you know, playing to their potential that aren't washed just yet. They've had so many injury issues. I think that you're talking about a team, whether Kyrie's there or not, is going to be so up and down throughout the season. You know, who's to say that this that we're, we'll ever see this team at 100% strength? We haven't seen it so far. Why is that going to change? Yeah, it might not. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, you could view – Kyrie being out as an injury of sorts. Uh, I mean, they were all injured last year, you know, and then it, 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 I, I mean, a majority of their team is all older. So I could see the same situation happening again this year. Might not have the legs. Yeah. Very well. Good. Be the case. How about in uh, Philadelphia, Ben Simmons has returned to practice. He is suspended for the first game of the year and was kicked out of practice by, Doc Rivers, and we've heard the things aren't going so great. There's some trouble in paradise, and Joel Embiid has already called out Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons wasn't doing what he was told in practice and whatnot. This is a messy situation in Philadelphia, Tom, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. I don't understand how the Sixers have not got a deal done by now because Ben Simmons is just a cancer in that locker room at this point in time. And for every day that he's still a member of the Sixers, he's only hurting his trade value. And these antics are only hurting himself, too, and, and, the, and the Sixers in the process. I mean, yeah, Jones, what team is going to want Ben Simmons now? Why would you make a trade for a locker room cancer? He's not even – I don't even think he's that good. He can't uh, he, He's not worth his, his bullshit attitude. I mean, he's acting like Kawhi Leonard, and he's nowhere near Kawhi Leonard's status. It's it's he's acting like entitled little prick, and it's like, dude, get over yourself. Like, you know, you're. I, I feel like he's been probably hyped his whole life, and you know this happens, and he's like, I'm. It's my way or the highway. I'm like, no, dude, you sign a contract, you play. Right. I don't see a situation where uh, a team is going to give up much for Ben Simmons. I mean, you're you're going to hear folks. Tom mentioned, okay, what about, you know, one of these teams that's desperate for a superstar like Oklahoma City or something to the effect, but why would anyone right now, when you see how Ben Simmons is acting, how immature he is, why would you want to build your franchise around a guy you can't trust? Or if you're a team that's even one player away, if you can't rely on Ben Simmons, how worth it can he be to you? Yeah, I mean, you if you're one player away and you get him for cheap, is it even still worth it? What if he, you know, if you need to go one step forward and Ben Simmons takes two steps back? 
in terms of locker room and culture and, you know, being the team being together. If he starts trauma and distracts, like, is that worth it at that point? No. Like, it's – I mean, I think the Sixers are – it's a little too late to make a deal for Ben Simmons. I mean, someone's going to get him, but yeah. – one question I do wonder, when you look at these breakups, you know, there, there's always two sides to every story. And there's no question that Ben Simmons is being a punk and how he's handling all this. But is there any blame to go on the Sixers as an organization or Doc Rivers? Is any of this on them or is this all on Ben Simmons, do you think, Tom? I mean, there's you've mentioned it. There's two sides to every story. I think that's you know, maybe the Sixers probably could have done something better. I'm sure there's something that, you know, is, is making Ben Simmons act like this, but maybe not. I mean, I more stuff I feel like is coming out each day. You know, and Embiid has had – he's already expressed his frustrations, um, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, so, you know, I have a feeling it's all Ben Simmons, but, you know, Doc Rivers being Doc Rivers, maybe. You know, who knows? Maybe Doc Rivers could have said something. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what – he's going to go somewhere. I mean, he has to. It's not going to be Philadelphia. No. Um, I mean, is he going to do – I mean, is he going to sit out this season? I don't think so either. He's going to go somewhere. I just don't know where yet. And I don't think it's going to be to a contender. Let's, uh, let's talk Western Conference now. The uh, Lakers – they suffered a loss in opening night. They were stunned by the Warriors, 121 to 114. And they got the full Russell Westbrook experience. He was 4 of 13 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3 for 8 points in the loss. Anthony Davis had 33 points, LeBron had 34, and uh, they each had 11 rebounds in uh, that loss. Both those guys play well. Russ struggles, and they lose. Tom, I'm very intrigued to see how this is going to go. I think Russ is still a great player in this league. He's got some great basketball ahead of him there in L.A. But nights like last night's are not going to go over well with uh, the egos that are in that locker room, especially with what LeBron expects out of his teammates and such. I would imagine that wasn't a cozy conversation that Russ and and, uh, LBJ had after that one. Oh, you know it wasn't. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. <laughs> Welcome to the Russell Westbrook experience. I mean, there's going to be games where he goes off, and then there's going to be games for him like to laugh, you know, like the other night. Um, that's just what it is. Um, that's what you get when you sign up for Russell Westbrook. You get the high flashy, and then you get the what do you do in games. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how, <laughs> how that works out in L.A. I think they're going to be fine. Obviously, um, still title contender favorites, I, you know, but um, how that, you know, movie Hollywood set of a basketball team is going to work out this season. Oh, it's going to be that's going to be it's, it's going to be watching like hard, I wish they would have a hard knocks. Right. Well, and as a fan, Tom, I really want to see Russ get a ring. But I'm torn because I don't want the Lakers to get a ring either in the process. I mean, yeah, I get I get that. I'm obviously was never like a Thunder fan, so I I mean I get it, but I don't. I would rather see Patty Mills win a ring with the Nets 
in the same token, but I don't want the Nets to win because I don't want James Harden to get a ring. Right. If the, <laughs> if the Lakers play the Nets in the finals, I would cheer for the Lakers. Uh, I'm riding with KD over – I'm riding with Russ over KD every single day. But it would feel like, uh, you know, I'm drinking bleach of some sorts if I find myself ever rooting for the Lakers for uh, that reason. When you look at the West, the uh, Lakers there, but – there was so much parody last year. We saw the Suns come out of nowhere to win the West, and the Clippers still have Kawhi and Paul George. Denver's good. Um, when, when you look at it, Tom, people would probably say the Lakers are the favorites. To me, I, I'm not sleeping on that Denver Nuggets team. I think this is the year the Nuggets can come out of the West. What say you? Oh, I think very, very much so. I mean, Jamal Murray will be back. You know, when we went down, we kind of were like, dang, Denver, like, man, that sucks. So now he's back. They can all stay healthy there. And Denver, that will be good. I'm very interested, very, very, very interested to see how the Bulls do this year. Yes. That is going – I mean, in the preseason, they look pretty good. Um, You know, so, I, I mean, the Bulls could be a surprise team, I think. Yeah, I think they very well could. And, uh, you know, Clay Thompson was in uh, in shoot-around, although he did not play in that opener. Um, despite what my personal feelings are towards the Warriors, I'm very intrigued. A storyline that's falling under the radar, Tom, is just the return of Clay Thompson. This guy is as good a shooter as anybody in the league when he's healthy, and we haven't seen the guy play in, feels like, two or three years um, I'm intrigued to see what Clay Thompson is going to show up when he does return to the floor. Yeah, I mean, that can be spark the Warriors' need. And, you know, they've had a couple down years and got some high draft picks, Jonathan Kaminga and, oh, remind me of the big center's name. I can't remember his name off the top right now. They have some, you know, some younger pieces too. So uh, it would be interesting to see if he can come back to form. The Warriors are going to be right there too. Right. With, uh, with James Wiseman and, you know, Kelly mm-hmm. Oubre's there, Andrew Wiggins. They have some players, you know, Draymond Green is still around as well. So certainly uh, intrigued to uh, watch that Golden State Warriors team. Uh, one more note for it, just kind of wrapping up the NBA discussion. Milwaukee coming off that title appearance. I'm looking at this Bucks team, Tom, and Giannis, I think, is now the face of the league. He's the best player in the NBA. The Bucks. They get over the hump with Budenholzer. There was questions about his future and such here. It feels like there's going to be a, a big weight lifted off this Milwaukee Bucks team. I'm not saying this team is going to be a dynasty by any means, but uh, I think that the, the pressure is off them. Now they can just go out there and play basketball, and they've earned the rights to be the favorites in the East in uh, 2021 through 2022. I mean, yeah, they have. I mean, I don't know if they'll be a dynasty either, but I mean – uh, a return to the championship looks very promising. Yeah, I think so. All right, before we get out of here today, it is time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, where in the world shall we head to this time? Jones, we're going to East Lansing. Okay, this is pretty Tom Fullery. And this, honestly, more more than Tom Fuller is just flat out disrespectful. Uh, if this happened to me, I would be furious. And that would be it's laughable. It's coming from the Lansing State Journal. Headline reads, 
MSU, Michigan State University, asked faculty and staff to volunteer in dining halls. I read this headline. I said, this must be due to staffing shortages, which I can tell you that it is. East Lansing, short thousands of student workers in campus dining halls. Michigan State University is asking faculty and staff for help. In an email sent to MSU deans, directors, and chairs on Monday, Benny Gore, Senior Vice President for Residential Hospitality Services and Auxiliary Enterprises, I love how they use this, invited faculty and staff to volunteer without extra pay in the dining halls. As you know, like other schools and universities across the country, culinary services is experiencing severe staffing shortages, Gore wrote. Many businesses in the local area and around the country are hiring, and we are all competing for the same available talent. To mitigate the shortage, residential and hospitality services has already asked 132 full-time department employees to work eight hours a week in the dining halls. However, Gore continued, our residential dining halls can sure use your help to continue serving our campus community. Faculty and staff from around campus are invited to sign up to assist in the dining halls. We have, we have specific needs during evenings and weekends. I ask that you share this message with your departments and units. Gore enclosed a survey containing a volunteer acknowledgement form, a link to a criminal background check, and instructions on how to prepare for the first shift. Devin Sylvia, Director of Undergraduate Studies in Michigan State's Computational Math Department, works with students every day and is aware of their frustrations with the dining halls. He was nonetheless shocked when he was asked to volunteer at them. Sylvia called it astounding for Michigan State to ask faculty and staff, some of whom are already pushed to the limit by COVID-19, um, to work in the dining halls. I'm all about supporting the Michigan State student community and making sure they have a positive experience, said Silva, Sylvia. And at the end of the day, I'm doing that in my own career and questioning whether I'm being sufficiently compensated. MSU has tried to off-staff staffing shortages in the dining halls by cutting dinner and weekend hours at some residences, closing some halls to the general public, and shuttering others completely. Sylvia and the competition between Michigan State and local businesses for student labor rises, raises questions about whether the college offers compensation and benefits that rival off-campus employment. About 4,000 students worked the dining halls during a normal year, but only 1,200 were employed so far as of September 30th. RHS recently raised starting wages from 10 to 12 per hour and then from 12 to 15. The shortages improved in recent weeks. Um, MSU was previously short 90 employees, need to operate the dining halls. Now they're only short 50. Uh, some dining locations were closed and now they're slowly reopening. Jones, uh, laughable. I mean, can you imagine asking someone who's already a professor at your university and putting in the hours and teaching your students to one, not work at the dining halls on evening and weekends when they have to be, you know, working on lesson, I mean, I don't know, lesson planning or whatever they call it in <clears throat> college, you know, for whatever the professors do. Research and other shit, you know, relaxing at home. To ask them to work in the dining halls for free. Right? It's like, that's... why can't the kids eat off campus or go to the grocery store? Why do we have to resort to having instructors feed them? Right. And or just, you know, even pay more. Right. If you need people, pay more. If you need people, pay people more. You're a, you make 
Yeah, they're someone on Reddit, but their head football coach makes eleven point seven million a year. I think they're doing. Is he, is he going to work in the dining hall? Get Mel Tucker out in the dining hall. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, call Tom Izzo and make his ass make me a Subway sandwich. I would love yeah, to right. have Tom Izzo make me a sandwich, though. I bet it would be fire. I bet he has like a special sandwich recipe, like the Izzo or something. That or like. Um, like the Bill Self mac and cheese, the Tom Izzo sub. Right, the Izzo sub. Right. You can't expect the staff to just walk. The thing that would, I mean, that's disrespectful to ask them to work for free. Like, yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. I'm telling them to eat <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, just tell them uh, that wasn't in the job description. That would be like if your job, Jones, said, hey, Jones, listen, um, staffing shortages, going to really need you to clean the men's and women's restroom every day after your shift. You know, my last job, uh, I did have to shovel snow a couple times. And, uh, you know, I, I did it because it needed to be done. But at the same time, I'm like, uh, am I paid to do this? Yeah. See, exactly. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this all goes on, and while in New York City, I don't know, this is kind of Tom Fullery a little bit, too, kind of add to this staffing shortages, and and really what it comes down to, and I don't want to get too woke on this, but um, the, just the, any, like, the payment inequality, the wage gap, just between the common man and, and the, uh, you know, upper class people, you know, it's this, how are you going to ask your the people you already employ to work for free if your business right said said hey jones we need you to um i don't know i don't know do another you know fill in here but we need you to do it for free you're gonna be like no right i'm I'm, i mean i'll get an email at work and i'm like if i have to work any more than 15 minutes on something i'm charging that time I mean, I mean, I've, yeah, I, like, that's just what it is. And you want, like, it may, the email just said, we invite you to sign up. Like, this ain't some fun little fundraising week where the teachers get a pie in the face and students pay $5 to pie their teacher in the face. That's something you sign up to do for free because the money goes to something else. They're wanting the people the 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 staff and faculty to work at a dining hall where that money goes and goes back into the university which technically would come back to them in a way but they should already be paying them that money right and it's not like that oh yeah minor detail they're pretty busy as is with their day jobs they don't have much time to lollygag around and hang out in the dining hall to begin with. So that's a bit absurd. Right. And if, if they're going to pay the students that much money, 12 to 15 an hour, why are you asking the staff and faculty to do it for free? I'd be like, you know, I might help out, but you're going to pay me what everybody else would make. Right. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense to me. Have you heard about what's going on at Raisin Cane's right now? No. So Raisin Cane's has some staff shortages around the country and franchise owners, these people that have invested their whole life savings to 
start a Raisin Cane's and to own the restaurants. They're so, they're so short of staff right now at Raisin Cane's that franchise owners are having to help make the chicken or work the cash registers all across the country right now. I mean, sometimes when the business is slow, sometimes, you know, you want to save your business, you'll do what it takes. Right? I mean, that's how I feel. Or pay more. Right? You know, how much is your business worth that you wouldn't pay more to save it? Right? Yeah. What a time right now, though. Man, all these uh, shortages. and We uh, certainly are thinking of the folks that are going through these difficult times. We're not trying to make light of uh, these businesses that are struggling at all, but trying to point out just how bizarre it is that uh, we see this type of situation there at Michigan State, a major university that makes millions of dollars a year and asking their uh, their teachers, their instructors to help out in the dining hall for free. That's, that's crazy. Tom, what is the most bizarre thing that you've been asked to do in a job you've worked that was not in the job description of sorts? I can tell you the ghetto gas station I worked at at 16 wasn't really a job description just because it could have been anything, right? <clears throat> I mean, oh, at 16, man, working at just, I mean, this is one of those gas stations that used to sell the fake pot. And I used to like, I don't know, I wouldn't get any money, but like barter with the people that would come in there. Like, okay, if it's $20 for a pouch, they kind of just let me barter with people. They're like, well, what if I give you $35 for two? And then, like, well, okay, that'll work. It was insane. Um, so I don't know if you could call that being paid to be a, I don't know, we fake do. pot drug dealer. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, I don't know. I guess cleaning bathrooms that needed more like a Roto-Rooter than an actual at that time, a kid, as I was a kid, cleaning a bathroom that looked like a, a, the sewer had blown up in it. And I, I told the I told the owner, I told him, I said, listen, Sam, I said, you're going to get a hand. You're going to get someone here and clean this up. I sent him a picture of it. I'll never forget it. Uh, it, it was horrendous. And I said, you're going to get somebody else in here to clean it up or I'm not working here anymore. I said, I'll lock the, I'll lock the store up and walk out because I'm not cleaning that. And he was like, he was like, okay, okay. And so sure enough, he hired like a freaking hazmat team to come in there and clean it. Because at first he wanted me to clean it. That's probably the worst thing. Roto Tom, at your service. Ever. Not that day, not ever. Um, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not above getting my hands dirty on something. Uh, but I wish I still had the picture so I could show you how bad it was. Um, it, it definitely was a biohazard in there. And I was, I'm not kidding. It was the worst dirty public restroom I've ever seen. And I should have went to the cameras to see who did it. Um, because I know like 45 minutes prior, I'd went in there to clean it. And it's not like we were super busy. So somebody in a 45 minute time frame absolutely destroyed that bathroom. I'm talking like blood and shit all over the walls. I'm not kidding. Like, maybe more blood than in the men's restroom. So something wasn't going right. Something wasn't going right for old boy. 
That was a visual I did not need, but here we are. And that right. is how we end today's show. Uh, <laughs> big thanks to Alex Gold for stopping by and joining us. If you're going to be out in Kansas City this weekend, come on out, check out our post-race show. We're going to have details on uh, social media of where we'll be for the uh, Let's Go Racing with a David Starr live post-race show after the Hollywood Casino 400 as uh, we'll have our second show on the road in a row. So certainly looking forward to that. And, uh, man, what a week here at Studio Soapbox. We mentioned with Luke's new show that debuted on Tuesday, Raw Tools. Certainly encourage you to check that out. Bo will have another show out coming tomorrow. And, uh, of course, this show out each and every Thursday. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live forward slash studio soapbox twitter at tyler jones live at studio underscore soapbox at thomas underscore bridges instagram jones underscore report tyler jones live and instant thomas you can find us there and we will be right back here next week for thomas bridges our entire crew of tyler jones thanks so long this has been another edition of jones Sports. see you next week